77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Tensions escalate in the Israel-Hamas war. The Israeli army stepped up the ground offensive, this time moving into the southern part of the Gaza Strip. Heavy artillery fell on Khan Yunus in southern Gaza, where Israel reportedly believes the remaining hostages are held. Residents fled as airstrikes leveled areas. We're pursuing Hamas wherever Hamas is hiding, in the north and in the south. The Israeli army says it's targeting Hamas and is warning people to evacuate their homes and head farther south. International aid workers warn civilians are running out of places to hide from the fighting. The Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry says dozens of people were killed in the latest Israeli airstrikes. A spokesperson for the State Department says Hamas is using Palestinians as human shields. Unfortunately, we do expect to see civilian casualties as a result of this campaign. Um, That is sadly true in all wars. The U.S. says it expects Israel to comply with international humanitarian law. No. We do not want to see a military campaign uh, in the the south that looks like the north. I do. 130 hostages are still held by Hamas, including eight Americans. 19-year-old U.S. Israeli citizen Itai Hen, an IDF soldier, is unaccounted for. There is concern that the U.S is being drawn into the war. USS Kearney naval destroyer shot down missiles and drones fired at commercial ships in the Red Sea. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. And and the reality is that... um, FSU, it's the first time in CFP history that an undefeated Power 5 champion failed to finish in the top four. And there's a lot of reaction pouring in after FSU was left out of the playoffs. Here's what Governor Ron DeSantis posted after the announcement. He says, what we learned today is that you can go undefeated and win your conference championship game, but the college football playoff committee will ignore these results. The governor goes on to say congratulations to FSU for an outstanding season and winning the ACC championship. Senator Rick Scott says the playoff committee robbed undefeated FSU from the opportunity of being national champions. He goes on to say this team has given everything they had each week on the field and called today's decision disgraceful. Oh, poor Zach. He got hit so many times. Uh, I feel, look, he, you were right to bench him. He, he's right not to want to play. They stink around him. Trust me, we've all been there. We've all gotten our asses kicked horrendously because our teams have sucked. You still go and do it. And trust me, it makes you better at the end of the day. Why? Because glory and success feel so much better when you can appreciate the agony. Understand what what Zach might be thinking. But it is a move, man. And I can't handle it. Seriously, cut his ass today if that is true. I really went downhill after the World Trade Center. You know, Quasimodo predicted all this. Who did what? All these problems, the Middle East, the end of the world. Nostradamus. Quasimodo's the hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, right. 
Notre Dame. Nostradamus and Notre Dame. Two different things completely. It's interesting, though, to be so similar, isn't it? And I always thought, okay, hunchback in Notre Dame. You also got your quarterback and your halfback in Notre Dame. One's a f cathedral. Obviously, I know. I'm just saying. It's interesting, the coincidence. What? You're going to tell me you never pondered that? The back thing with Notre Dame? No. And you ask me what I want this year And I try to make this kind and clear Just a chance that maybe we'll find better days Cause I don't need boxes wrapped in strings And desire to love and empty things Just a chance that maybe we'll find So Night the world begins again. Johnny Resnick, Google Dolls. If you're not getting chills at 6:09 on this Tuesday morning, you need to check your pulse. Are you ready, folks? Another kick-ass edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. here by Lou Rafino, the lead singer of this band, the Google Dolls, Johnny Resnick. ton of songs we could have gone with. I love the song Iris. I love the song Name. I love the Google Dolls. In fact, I saw them a couple of summers ago live up in uh, Bethel, Bethel Woods, them in train. And Resnick is great. He's a Buffalo resident. And today, Lewis, is Johnny Resnick's birthday, isn't it? Yes. I kind of doubt 
you would um, – when's it, when did you see them? I saw them, I want to go back, me and Danielle, three or four summers ago. He was in his late 50s, I believe, at the time. Right. I believe. Because he's, he's one year younger than me. It looks – he's 58. Oh, he's uh, 58 now. Right. Okay. He just turned 58. Oh, my I... God. You're going to be 60 next year? That's right. Oh, it's a big birthday. It is. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Get you a hooker. Okay. Yeah. Well, that should be a given on any birthday. Well, that's but... true, yes. Okay. There was a uh, – who was that basketball player who played for the Utah Jazz? He was from Russia or some other Eastern European country, and he was married to a gorgeous, gorgeous blonde. George Murison? No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but she actually allowed him on his birthday every year oh, let's to go out and her. screw wow. another woman. Let's call her. I think it was I think it was uh, Andre Karolinko. Okay. They I called him AK-47. Wow. Do you remember that story? I remember the player. Yeah. I, I think it, it, he was married to a gorgeous girl, and every year on his birthday <laughs> he was allowed to go out like, as if he waited for his birthday, you know. <laughs> right. The rest of the year, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I was... Uh, I guess got to say, I don't know if you would recognize Johnny Resnick right now, though. He looks rough, right? He, yeah. He had this... He looks like he had crazy work done. Yeah, I think he did. He smoothed his face. He's almost like a girl at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that AK-47 story reminds me of another story. So, we're sitting in a restaurant on a Wednesday night in the PR, me, Danielle, and Gabe. And they've got the MLB Network on. And Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who's going to join us on Thursday, was going back and forth with my friend Brian Kenny about whether or not Joe Maurer deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, whether or not, who was the other player? It was Joe Maurer and um, maybe Chase Utley, I forget. So they had Jim Tomey get involved in the conversation. And it reminded me of a story when Jim Tomey was a young player and I forget if it was Cleveland or Philadelphia. He signed a major contract. I mean, a major contract. And he was on in Florida before I got to WFAN in the late 1990s with me and Scott Kaplan. And I remember saying to Jim Tomey, he had got he got married that year. And I said, Jimmy, I don't get it. You and your baseball prime, you just signed like a $100 million contract. Why would you get married now? And his answer to me was... And Danielle never forgot this. She was listening. His answer was, don't forget, Sid, we've got 81 away games. <laughs> wow. Could you imagine you're about to marry this guy? He's on national radio. We were on Westwood One at the time, about 70 markets across America with Sid Rosenberg and Scott Kaplan. And he goes, what am I worried about? I've got 81 away games. And he said he's On the air. <laughs> I never forgot that. About 1998, 1999, the great Jim Tomei. I got to admire that. <laughs> yeah, don't you? <laughs> that's, that's so just... a lot, a lot not open. Obviously, the Israel Hamas stuff into George Santos. What you heard there was Santos doing a cameo. Now I'm on cameo too, and I've done okay. I made a couple, a couple of bucks. My cameos, I believe, are forty dollars. And here's how it works: you go to the cameo app. And you look for your celebrity of choice. And when you find them, you pay the 40 bucks, and you ask them to then send you a message, which I've done many, many times. Happy birthday, Jimmy, in Brooklyn. Way to go, Jack, on your promotion in New Jersey. That's how these things work. So you get a live video of your favorite celebrity, which I've done hundreds of. Giving you an a, a, an actual hello. I've never heard that you did oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what turned me on to this years ago was Dolores. 
she was getting, she was making literally $5,000 a week, real housewives, 5000 a week. She would get, and she would charge 100 bucks a pop. She goes, you should do it. So I did it years and years ago. Like I said, I make 40 bucks a pop. I still get cameo uh, requests all the time. Wow, that will never end for you. Wow. That'll never end, no. Oh yeah, but, uh, wow. but I charge, again, only one-fifth the amount of money that George Santos charges. <laughs> that bastard's getting 200 bucks a pop. Two hundred. I mean, his his life has become such a clown show. For a guy that wants to be taken seriously, member of Congress, what a clown! Who, and I like him. I like George Santos. Who wants that? Who Come wants on. that? Yeah, but uh, he sold a ton yesterday. In fact, I believe, and Noam can uh, confirm or deny this. He couldn't even meet all the requests. That's Is that right. not true, no? Yeah, Cameo said that there were so many requests. That's He actually started off his price at 70 bucks, but when he saw how many people wanted him, he was like, let me hike this up to 200 bucks. <laughs> 200 bucks. Why yeah. not? Of course. And so you're talking about thousands of people that have put in for him to do a video for them. So you think he's going to make... In a, in a matter of a couple of weeks, he'll make more than he would have as a congressman in an entire year. Not even year. close. You're 100% right. Not that, even close. That is unbelievable. So I've got a couple of these cameos from George Santos, but the one Justin Ellick put in the open was a request sent to him. You ready for this? By John Fetterman. John <laughs> Fetterman sent him the request. And you hear George Santos go, hey, Bobby. Well, Fetterman's request was on behalf of Bob Menendez. This is all made. This cannot This is a real. true story. John Fetterman <laughs> sent George Santos a cameo request, which he fulfilled under the name of Bobby for Bob Menendez. Okay. So if you missed it in the open, we'll play it again. This is George Santos. I've got three different cameos. This is one of them. Fetterman trying to get George Santos to say hello to Bob Menendez, which he does for the 200 bucks. Cut number one. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out here. <laughs> Come on now. Merry Christmas. Come on. Swear to God. <laughs> oh, wait, so who paid for that? Now, it's one of John Fetterman. Paid? Yes, he paid $200 to dupe, which he was able to do. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe George Santos knew exactly what he was doing for Santos to send a message to Bob Menendez, which Menendez has no idea what's going on. No, obviously, he's, he's about to go to prison uh, on behalf of John Fetterman. <laughs> you talk about, <laughs> yeah. about three mutants, man. Can't make it up. In a story. <laughs> so that's, uh, that was the second story. Israel Hamas was one. George Santos, two. And then we had the John Kerry cut. John Kerry, this lowlife who, of course, along with Barack Obama, those are the guys that made that Iran deal back in that original Biden administration, which Biden tried to revive, mind you. That's why anybody like Michael Goodwin at The Post, who says that Joe Biden is not complicit in this war against Israel, is a moron. He absolutely is. The word is correct, complicit. He was there with Obama and Kerry, that first administration, doing the Iran deal. He tried to revive it. He's given them money. He's loosened restrictions. He absolutely 1,000% is complicit in funding this Iran war against Israel. So Kerry goes out to the Dubai this weekend because they've got their annual nonsense meeting about uh, climate change. Now, here's the question for my audience, which is a very, very, very bright audience. 
How do you think John Kerry got to Dubai this weekend to take part in a climate change conference? You have one guess. Well, if you're asking me, yeah, I... Yeah, I'll ask you. Yeah, but I, he's done this already. Right, which many, is what? Many times. Which is what? He took a private plane. Thank plane. you very much. Yes. He takes a private jet to a climate change <laughs> conference. That's where you know he is so full of shizzle. And all you morons out there that continue to try to convince smart people like me that the end of the world is coming, not because of terrorists, not because of everything else going on in our country today, but because in a thousand years, some turtle is going to choke on a straw. (laughs) You idiots. You assholes. So Kerry is sitting there at this meeting. He's having a very serious conversation. And you want to talk about emitting gas? Kerry did it himself. John Kerry emitted gas right during his own speech. This is John Kerry, cut number four. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. <laughs> Come on. And, That's real. And the reality That's is real, folks. I mean, we may have amplified the fart just a little, but no, John Perry no. literally That's real. his pants. I can't believe You're that. not doing something? I, I, I didn't do any of that. You didn't. No. That's no, real. No, no, that was real. Oh, oh, come yeah. on. No, no, that was real. I'm not the only one here, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm being honest. I did have Justin Ellick amplify the fart sound. Oh, but you're kidding. They actually, <laughs> there's some lady there, and she grabs her nose. It's hilarious. And he loses his train of thought. He's like, well, uh, uh, I think. I just made duty in my underwear. I just admitted gas. Anyway, let's uh, let's. He was the uh, the third story in the open. Then you get the SFSU story, which I talked about quite a bit yesterday. The undefeated Seminoles will not participate in the college playoff. That will feature number one Michigan taking on number four Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Then you get number three Texas taking on number two Washington in the Sugar Bowl, all for the right to play for the national championship coming up on January the 8th. Then you get WFAN, I should say, afternoon host, alongside my friend Evan Roberts, former giant great Tiki Barber, yelling and screaming about Zach Wilson. You know, there's uh, this young lady, Diana Russini. She's a very good NFL writer, very good, and she writes for The Athletic. And I guess, I guess she wrote the original story that the Jets... We're thinking about going back to Zach Wilson. Tim Boyle didn't work out. Trevor Simeon didn't work out. And they were considering, even though he was awful, going back to Zach Wilson for their game Sunday against the Texans. But Zach didn't want to play. Then I read another report that said it was Zach who walked into Seller's office and said, Coach, put me in. So I'm not sure which story is true. But Tiki went nuts if, in fact, Zach Wilson doesn't want to play then you got to cut him, which he's right about. But I think he's wrong about the story because I think Zach does want to play. Either way, I don't really care. My God, anybody else out there sick of Zach Wilson? We spend more time talking about a guy that should not be playing football in the NFL for a team that has sucked for the better part of 55 years. I mean, it is ridiculous. 
Is it not known? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's hard to believe that a professional player would ask not to play. I mean, I, I find that really hard to believe. Well, it's, he's got his ass kicked out there. His line sucks. Yeah, and still. You, he these sucks. Guys play. He does suck, but you always still want to play, no? Of course, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, finally, you heard the audio. That's a great scene from Sopranos, the late, great James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano, and uh, Stevie Sharippa, who played Bobby Bacala, talking about Nostradamus and comparing Nostradamus to the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And the reason why we played that is Steve Sharippa himself makes his return to Sid and Friends in the morning coming up today. So we got a huge show. Plus, I got a text very, very early in the morning from the great Curtis Sliwa, who joins me live in studio around 7, 10 a.m. every weekday morning. He texted me to tell me he is breaking major, major news. Major news coming up with Curtis Sliwa. He's the only person who has this information. Curtis Sliwa about to break major news coming up at 7.10 this morning. So there you have it, folks. Oh, nicely done here. I see what Lou just did. Talking about George Santos and all his cameo requests. This is the band cameo, isn't it, Lewis? That's affirmative. Ah, cameo. Folks, you can uh, get me on Cameo once again for 20% of what people are paying George Santos. Big show today. Paul King, Curtis Sliwa, Lee Zeldin, Steve Sharippa, Rudy Giuliani, and the great sports writer, former New York Daily News, new book about the football giants, and the latest on Bill Belichick's future in New England, our friend Gary Myers. Live in studio, coming up at 9.30. Going to be a great Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Keep it right here, folks. I'll be back right after this. In the morning, 77 WABC. It's Christmas time. There's no need to be afraid. At Christmas time, we let in light. Christmas time. 
here in the city. Merry Christmas, everybody. Doesn't feel like it just yet, but we are in the midst of the holiday season here in New York City. You know, I'm going to say something right now that's going to sound uh, really arrogant, but I stand by this. There has been nobody, and I think Noam and Lou will, um, will agree to this. There has been nobody, nobody more on top of this Israel-Hamas war than me in our whole business. Those attacks happened on October 7th on a Saturday. If you go back to my social media, Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, the very next morning, Sunday, October the 8th, I talked about how that day the Jets were playing the Giants, and I couldn't watch football because I was so devastated over what happened the day before. It's a video live from my living room. And I said on that day, you know, the thing that really haunts me are these young girls. You guys can attest to this. Are these young girls that these animals took. And I think I said uh, in the first hour, that first Monday morning back, October the 9th, in very graphic terms, that there's going to be a parade of these Hamas animals, maybe 20 at a time, raping these girls. It was very graphic. It was very ugly. But I said it. And I said it on the 9th. And I've said it probably 50 times since. Is any of this not accurate, Noam Layden? You said it absolutely. Within minutes of the show starting, you said, I imagine this is what is happening to the women in Gaza. No two ways about it. You were right on it. Right on it. And yet, all of a sudden, I mean, John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby had a guest on yesterday as if they're shedding new light. No disrespect to the guest, but where were all these people? They slept walked through all this coverage for two months. They all said the right things. We love Israel, Hamas are animals. But what I was getting real graphic and real detailed about what was happening to our young women, nobody brought it up. Nobody. Now, all of a sudden, every news, and what do they say this morning? Exactly what I've said all along. The State Department has said that some of these girls may not come back because Hamas is terrified over the stories they're going to tell when they return. And at that point, all bets are off. Everybody dies. Have I not said that for the better part of two months? Yeah. From day one, you said the same thing. I'd be surprised if these hostages are still alive. I mean, luckily, some of them were, but who knows about the rest of them? All of a sudden, it's a major story. What, what were you guys watching? I told you what happened at the music festival. All these kids jumped into bomb shelters, and the animals went into the bomb shelters, picked out the pretty girls, and said, and I quote, you for rape. And then, when they got the pretty girls out, they threw live hand grenades into the bomb shelters and killed everybody else. I told that story, what, two months ago? So why is it now, all of a sudden, a big story, uh, what they are doing, what they've done, what they did to women in Gaza? Why is that the case? I don't know. It's very odd. I mean, it's clear to us this has been going on since day one. I don't know why all of a sudden. The reason why is because most people did not really pay attention. They slept walk through all of this. 
said all the right things, acted as if they cared. They just don't care as much. That's the bottom line. I took this very, very personally from day one. And I've gained thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram. What I did to WOR in the last weekly rating book was so unbelievably big. Should I even say it? I'm not even going to say it, but I will tell you this. I almost five-timed WOR. Five times. Think about that for a second. Five times their ratings. People are coming here. I put up a video every morning. It's up right now at Rosenberg.Sydney on Instagram. And I talk about the guests for the day, some of the topics, all dressed up, tan, looking good. I got people on there already. It's not even 6.37 in the morning from Israel, California, Florida, New York, that listen to this show every day. Yesterday, Michelle Lubin, she started Jexit. Siggy Flicker down in Fort Lauderdale. Who do they have on all day? Me. Because from day one, I took this story very, very seriously, and I told you the truth. I was the only one who told you what was really going on. While the rest of you were still yelling and screaming about migrants at Floyd Bennett Field and Zach Wilson. Did I not? That is accurate. And now all the ugliness is coming to light. So let me say this, and I'll say it what I said before as well. I don't care how many Palestinians die in Gaza. I don't care. I know. Oh, my God, Sid, that's terrible. These are innocent people. I don't know that. And I paid a very, very close attention to this whole story. I don't know how innocent they are. This is war. They started. We're going to finish. I don't care who dies. I really don't. I'm sorry. I'm past the point of caring. We've given these people ample opportunity time and time again to get out. And if Hamas are really the ones that are keeping them there, well, I got news for you. Next time, if there is a next time, you've got a chance to vote for government. Don't vote Hamas in. How about that? How about that? And if they make you vote for them, well, then you know what? Your life ain't worth much anyway. And the idea of the occupation, don't worry about the occupation, folks, because no one's going to be left. How about that, Ron Kuby? There'll be no occupation. No one is going to be left because we're going to bomb the shizzle out of the south like we've done in the north. And we are not going to stop till everyone is dead. And we shouldn't. F. Biden, F. Blinken, F. every Democrat leader in this country that have showed their true colors over the last couple of weeks. How's that? It's pretty good. That's right. It is damn good. Thank you. I think you, you scared, though. Yeah. I think, I think I did scare him. Yeah. You did. What, is the, what are the latest details, though, in terms of what happened last night and what's going on today? The bombardment of Gaza, southern Gaza, uh, has been really intense and some of the most intense fighting since this all began, what, 60 days ago, just in the last 48 hours since that truce was broken. Don't, you know, the death num- toll numbers, you know, they're just not reliable, so we don't know what to go with. But the most interesting story uh, this morning is out of the Wall Street Journal that that the Israelis are thinking about flooding out those tunnels with water from the Mediterranean. We heard this months ago that
not uh, months ago, maybe a month ago, this may be a tactic they should consider or should use. And you're telling me now it's become serious. Yeah, so the Wall Street goes, the Journal goes into detail that there's four pumps ready to go. They could open these things, and the surge of water would be like nothing they've ever seen before and would flood out these tunnels. Uh, you know, IDF not saying anything about this report, but the Wall Street Journal says they have it on good word. I believe it's probably going to happen as well. I mean, look, the, the truth is... I guess there's about 120 hostages unaccounted for. Hamas claims we don't even have them. And I believe them. You know, there are a million different splinter terrorist groups that Hamas deals with daily. And they hand off like that one family, the uh, the redheads. No one has any idea where these people are. You know where they are? Hamas has them in a building in the south, which they know the Israelis are going to blow up. And these poor people, and I mean this, these poor people are going to die because Hamas is going to put them in a place that they know Israel is going to blow up. The rest of these hostages, I'm not sure they're alive. And again, the girls, they're never coming home because, as I've been saying for the better part of two months, they've been getting raped by 20, 30, 40, 50 guys a day, every day for 60 days. While Joe Biden is out there telling Israel, Pull back. Pull back. Please. We don't want innocent Palestinians to die. You mother effer. Are you serious? Innocent Palestinians. <laughs> that may be an oxymoron. I don't know. You know what you have to think about um, because of the times now is what the, the mindset is of our country today and what it was in 1945. Yeah. You have to. That's what I kind of think about. Would we have won the war? No, of course not. That's but I that's, mean, we dropped two atomic a, bombs. You know how many innocent people we killed? And I've never heard one person come back and go, oh, my what I have heard. I shouldn't say that. But we dropped two atomic bombs to end World War Two in Japan. And we ended the war. Ended it. That was it. But the, I, I, I looked up some of the stats. It is anywhere between 120,000 dead. dead to yeah. 200,000. Innocent civilians. Yes, that, that's leveled. And the idea was to level the cities so that Russia would see it. Right. And all the, the other, you know, a, a Japan, and that would be it. That was and it. And that was over. it. We dropped them in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Nagasaki. And that was it. So, well, anyway. they didn't surrender after the first one. No, they didn't. And uh, Israel has not done that. They've got the capabilities. You do realize Israel is a nuclear power. They wouldn't go there because that would really, really start World War III. But they should not listen to Joe Biden or Anthony Blinken or any of these lowlifes. You go in there and you kill everyone, everyone, and you end this once and for all. Traffic with Joe Nolan is coming up next, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is uh, the aforementioned, my buddy John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, the Cats and Cosby show. Here they are talking to Bill O'Reilly, clip number two, about New York City. There's absolute chaos on every street, every avenue. I'm sitting there going, you cannot run a city this way where there's no one in charge. We're living under the the law of the jungle. The people elected this far-left crew, 
And the far-left crew feels no obligation to the quality of life in this city. None. It's 100% ideology. Don't put criminals in jail. Give migrants welfare. Give them everything. Spend thousands of dollars a day on migrants. That's ideology. As far as running the city, who is running the city? Who? It's not Adams. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to DigitalDollarReport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built of Boilers Week 13. And the NFL wrapped up last night with the Cincinnati Bengals and Jacksonville to battle the Jaguars on Monday night football, Cincinnati backup quarterback Jake Browning threw for 354 yards and a touchdown in his second start, much better than that four-sack two-turnover uh, performance he had just a week ago. And the Bengals stunned the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-31. to He's your final in overtime. Browning also ran for a score as Cincinnati won a road game on Monday night football for the first time since 1990. Evan McPherson's 48-yard field goal in overtime was the difference and ended a three-game losing streak on the season and a nine-game road skid on Monday night. This one was shocking and potentially costly for the Jaguars, who lost quarterback Trevor Lawrence to a sprained right ankle. Late in the fourth quarter, Lawrence left the locker room in a walking boot and on crutches. He will have more tests today to determine the severity of the injury. The Bengals improved to 500 at 6-6 six and six overall with the win and still sit in last place in the AFC North while the Jaguars fall to 8-4, and four, still ahead of uh, Indianapolis atop the AFC South. And as uh, previously mentioned, right now, the New York Jets don't have a starting quarterback for Sunday's game against Houston, Texas. Texans, I should say, as Coach Robert Sala declined uh, yesterday to pick a quarterback between Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, and Trevor Simeon, none of whom have played uh, particularly well since the injury to Aaron Rodgers. The decision might have been muddied when uh, the Athletic reported that the team is leaning toward Wilson, but that he's reluctant to play because of the perceived injury risk. And now, we're not sure if that's even true, as Sala insisted that that isn't the case, saying Wilson came up to him around 3 p.m. yesterday afternoon and expressed a desire to start. So it's not clear if Wilson sought out his coach because of that athletic report. We will uh, update you on more news regarding the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. Uh, no, we won't. Why not? We'll just mention who's going to play, and that's it. Well, that's the update. No, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's still an update. No, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to go like Tiki Barber on people. <laughs> He's now a verb, Tiki Barber. Yeah, don't don't Tiki Barber me. His uh, best Chris Russo attempt, Tiki yeah. Barber, yeah, lost exactly. it on the band yesterday. <laughs> Cut his ass. 
Mikey's got to go. On the the ice and hardwood, uh, no local action uh, last night, but you've got all three uh, hockey teams in action tonight. And on the hardwood, the Knicks, they'll be back in action in Milwaukee tonight. More NBA in-season tournament tournament action to look forward to there. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechless.com to find a deal near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sit-In Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We get it almost every night. And when that moon gets a big and bright, it's supernatural delight. Every border was dancing in the moonlight. Everybody here is out of sight. George Santos during the last break. Uh, you love this, Norman Lewis. I did receive a cameo request. <laughs> it comes from Mike, and he said, um, and mine is only $30, not even $40. 30 bucks, and you'll get a video message from me compared to 200 for George Santos. <laughs> we got to have a couple of these. Mike says, uh, wish my brother a Merry Christmas New York fashion the Sidway. <laughs> Gee, at least it's not too open-ended. Right. <laughs> like, what, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, this is Sid from Brooklyn. You know where I I wrap myself from. in a candy cane, half naked, and uh, sing Merry Christmas. I've got three days, You've 23 hours, and 44 minutes. Yes, I have. Is there samples uh, up on Cameo of other ones that you've done? Well, I have no idea if there are or there aren't. I'm going to look and well, see. Well, no, you're not going to look and see. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are. I mean, a bunch of like uh, nice, uh, mostly elderly people that listen to the show, and they want a happy birthday. I love Sid. You know, back then it was I love Bernie and Sid and all that good stuff. I so. found one. You want to hear what you said? Sure, let's hear it. Okay. I can't hear it. So, well, I got to go to Paul King. Save it. Okay. Tape it, and we'll play it later. All okay? right. We'll put my uh, cameos up against George Santos. <laughs> uh, Paul King ran a couple of years ago up against Gregory Meeks. Gregory Meeks is the laziest politician in New York. I'm not sure if he's a good guy or a bad guy, but I know he's the laziest politician in New York. And Paul King, on the other hand, one of my neighbors, married to the lovely Margaret Powers, is anything but lazy and has all the right policies. And we need to find a way to get Paul King a win in 2024 if, in fact, he decides to run again against Gregory Meeks. That is my hope. With that said, here he is, the pride of Bell Harbor, my friend Paul King. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Sid. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. So, I mean, I'll take you, you know, every day of the week and ten times on Sunday over George Santos. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that's not much of a compliment, you know, for a guy who's got the most important radio show on uh on the airwaves, so that's why I'm 
you know, thrilled to be here on the, you know, the very subject you were just talking about. You know, I, as you said, I ran a couple of years ago and didn't win. It's funny. People who like are really into politics will tell me, oh, you know, look at the numbers and the drop off between Zeldin and you compared to most candidates was, you know, not that big. You're, you were really great. You're better than most. I'm like, yeah, I lost by seven touchdowns, dude. <laughs> um, but, but something you learn from my friend Tom Selvin, you don't, you know, you don't necessarily win the first time out. You know, you, you, you get out there, you earn people's trust and, you know, you know, we, we need to be, to stay in this fight. Cause as you know, as you talk about all the time, things are just going, going the wrong way here. And, and I'll get right to the, your point. Yeah, I, I'm on with you this morning because I want to tell people on this show that I'm getting back in the fight. Well, you know, you know of I, course, uh, you've got our whole neighborhood uh, behind you, Rockaway, Bell Harbor, and the Ponset. But I would hope that uh, Middle Village and Howard Beach, and, and I don't even know how far uh, your, um, your um, I guess, district would go, but uh, you'd be running for Congress anyway, so it would be the whole thing. Right. We want all of Queens to, uh, to vote for you. And, and the truth is, look, it's very simple, Paul. I've done rallies with you. You've been there to support me and Curtis and our neighborhood uh, town halls. You've been there to support us. You ran a great campaign with Margaret last time around. I was very proud of you. And it's really very simple, folks. Don't make it uh, difficult. Don't talk about common sense politicians. They don't exist. You want to take our country back. You must vote Republican. That's it. Don't start to give me, I'm going to vote for the best candidate. Okay. In every single race that I watch very, very closely, the best candidate is the Republican, especially here with Paul King against Gregory Meeks. Is that not right? It is right. You know, and I'm really proud of what we've been doing in Rockaway. You mentioned Bell Harbor and Rockaway. You know, the Rockaway Republican Club's on a roll. You know, we're growing and um, we're trying to do influential stuff. You know, we even before this horrible stuff happened on October 7th, we had Doe Hikens in to talk about anti-Semitism, have them review what we think we should be doing, all Americans should be doing. And, um, you know, I've, I've been on a roll lately personally, so with the club and with business, so I'm feeling good. But i got to tell you, a lot of days I'm also just angry because of what's happening in the country, whether it's the migrants from the border all the way to Floyd Bennett Field. Our young people in the street, I mean, you know, you realize they've been indoctrinated or brainwashed to think that, it's okay somehow, or their people are good people if they're murdering and raping and, you know, humiliating people in Israel. And they're in the street, you know, calling for infatata. They don't even know what that word means, you know, but this is what the, you know, the progressives have, have teachers telling our kids in, in school. So, you know, we need to be able to get a Republican president in 2024. The country desperately needs that. And we need a solid Republican majority to undo all this Biden damage and to neuter these socialists once and once and for all. So, you know, I want to be part of that fight nationally, but also locally. You know what you were talking about. We need someone who's going to do something for the people. Uh, Meeks was chair. And, you know, and people do like him. He's a likable guy. But he is chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee for Biden's first two years. And the southern border went completely out of control. He's the chair. What did he do? He did nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, we have this migrant camp in Floyd Bennett Field, and you've been out there, you know, helping us lead the fight to say, hey, this is wrong, not just wrong for us, but wrong for these people. And Meeks, for the only time in, in my life that I remember, actually called a civic meeting, so he must be worried that this is going to, this stinks going to stick to him. And he brought it civic leaders in and told us, this is a terrible idea to put people in Floyd Bennett Field, but it'll probably never happen. Well, then it happened, and what did he do? 
Nothing. Nothing. And then I think you uh, told me a story the first time you ran against him, which really stuck with me, that, you know, he's in charge of all this uh, low-income housing in Queens. And um, there were some issues, one of the buildings, I guess, if not more than one. And there was an emergency meeting that was called, and it was very, very important that he would be there for that. And yet you were there, and he wasn't. He was, like, out of the country in Ukraine. Who knows where the hell the guy was, but... His own constituents, his people in Queens, suffering, by the way, his color, suffering. He was not there for them. You were there for them. To me, that's the difference between Paul King and Gregory Meeks. Paul King cares. Gregory Meeks doesn't. You know, and it's like so many politicians who say, hey, I'm a regular guy. I'm one of you. I came from you. So Meeks has a great story. He grew up in in NYCHA, you know, and. You know, I knew NYCHA was bad before I started running because I have friends on the community board, but actually I ended up spending more time there. I didn't realize, you know, people there go months. We have buildings here in Rockway right now. People haven't had gas in months. Uh, they, they're trying to cook on a hot plate, feed their whole family with a hot plate. Um, and so, yeah, th- those sorts of crises were happening. You know, they keep happening. This emergency meeting was called. I don't remember where he was. He was at the World Economic Forum with the richest people in the world. You know, he's telling you, oh, yeah, I'm 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 from NYCHA. I, I you know, I, that's my people. But he is he's the people he chooses to be with are the richest people in the world who are trying to manipulate stuff at the top when the people who are his most needy constituents, you know, he's he's not there for him. Yeah, that's Gregory Meeks. Well, listen, I'm happy you're running. I, I, I thought you may. I I think you you're getting back now in 2024. You mentioned Tom Sullivan. I think he's going to give it a third try coming up in 2024, even though he won on his second try. And certainly people like you, Paul King and Tom Sullivan, we get people like you guys in government and New York and this country will be a much better place. So I look forward to events and all you need to do. I'm only a couple of blocks away. You and Margaret know exactly where I live. So let's get out there and kick some ass. Congratulations. Thank you, Sid. We will, and I look forward to fighting right alongside you. You got it, pal. There he is, Paul King, announcing he will run. He will run in 2024 against Gregory Meeks. For me, that's good news. As a Queens resident, literally live a couple blocks away from Paul and Margaret, we need Paul King to win. So, folks, start keeping score. Write these names down. You want to save this city? You want to save this state? You want to save this country? Know the names of the Republicans running. Don't worry about the Democrats. Don't worry about their names. Garbage. All of them. Republicans. They're going to save us. Hopefully in 2024. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC.
my God. Where did Justin Ellico get breakfast? He left, I think. I just saw something on television before I get to my man Curtis. Was I promoted back at 6 o'clock is going to drop a huge, I'm not kidding here, folks, I'm not exaggerating, a huge story for you. But I just saw something on television that would make a whole city do what those folks did for Jim Jones in Africa. They'll drink the Kool-Aid. They'd rather die than watch this. And what is it? You ready for this trio? Joe Scarborough, his wife, Mika, and Liz Cheney. Yeah, I just saw it. Three skanks. Three of them. So I don't want to make it like I'm talking about just the women here. Three skanks. Scarborough, Mika, and Liz Cheney. I mean, does Liz Cheney have nothing else to do? Nothing else to do? But go from show to show, Rachel Maddow last night, Joe and Mika this morning, anyone who invites her, CNN later on tonight, to talk bad about Donald Trump. That's her whole life. That's it. That's what she has to offer. Her crooked father, who I like. I like Dick Cheney. I liked him and George Bush. I liked them both. But, man, was he a crook. Halliburton, all the nonsense he got involved in, Dick Cheney. And this Liz Cheney. Has the balls, wait, has the vagina to go on air and talk badly about somebody else? You've got to be kidding me. Anyway, not that I have an opinion on it. He gets big ratings, <laughs> noon to one, every weekday afternoon on the Rip and Read. Big, big ratings, overnight host on the weekends. But does his best work alongside me. And why is he on each and every weekday morning? Because he's great. In fact, when people ask me about the show, I say, we're a six-man show. It's Sid, Lou, Justin, Noam, Joe Nolan, and Curtis. And I did promise you this morning, an hour ago, he was going to drop a dime on your air. And you're ready to go, aren't you, Curtis? Let me just say, let me preface this. That I tell our colleagues, and you've seen me screaming at them uh, in the hallway. That every day it's like a potluck dinner. We all have a responsibility to bring a different dish to the potluck of talk uh, radio. And some of our colleagues, they bring the same old Swanson TV dinner. Every day. Repeat it. Oh, bore the hell out of us. If I miss them for a week, I could come back a week later. It's the same damn Xerox copy show. And I scream at them. I tell them, what are you doing? You're killing this thing of ours. Our responsibility, because you lead, you're in the lead in this relay race. You blow away all the competition across the nation. I mean, did you see, I don't want to get into the specifics, because Nielsen gets upset if I don't say it correctly, but a 4.5 to a .9. Yes. Curtis. You killed That's him. never happened. You killed No him. one, not Imus, not Bob Grant, nobody five times the competition. Nobody. That's down, that's down with the college radio station market at WOR. This, I mean, that morning show is horrible. But you blow away all the competition. It's like a relay race. It's our job to lengthen the lead, not to fall back and then declare victory because you've pulled so far ahead. And some, some of our colleagues, you know, they're lazy. Again, they come in. They don't listen to this thing of ours radio like you do, like I do, like some of our other colleagues, and they mail it in. Yeah. Every day, my job here, the reason you have me on five mornings a week is 
I got to tell your listeners something that they don't know, whether they want to kill me or whether they want to kiss me. That's true. And, and you have done that from the very, very first day I decided to do this. And also, to your credit, you are a legitimate Radio Hall of Famer. I've always thought you're a magnificent talent. And the people in New York genuinely love you. And they should. You dedicated your life 40-plus years to protecting us. Yeah, so but, but there's so many reasons why you make sense. More importantly, your wife, Danielle, is super because she tells all of the enemies of mine who want to kill me, look, just sue him. <laughs> sue him. Don't kill him. Right. Enough people have tried to kill him. Hey, hey listen, Danielle's, Go always got, Danielle's always got you and Nancy's yes. best interest yes. at heart. Yes. You know that. You yes. know that. <laughs> so uh, now... As you know, my agreement with John Katsimatidis, who gets a cauliflower ear from all of my critics who call him and say, make him retract, uh, make him apologize, suspend him, fire him. I don't think he's gotten a call from England for a while, though. Uh, no, no, they're, 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 they're hunkered down there at City Hall. But it's really, he's told me straight up, Curtis, if you're wrong, you're gone. Your information better be good or I'll have no choice but to let you go. And that's the agreement we have. And it's right. Because if you're on the most powerful radio station, on the most powerful morning show in the nation, you better dot every I and cross every T. You are getting me so aroused. This lead-up, this beautiful lead-up, what you're doing right now to this major story is the reason why you, Curtis, are a Radio Hall of Fame. Please, don't premature me. Please, don't premature me. Hold on. Hold on. But we had to stop Gnome. I guess you had to stop Gnome oh, from... Oh, um... Gnome. He wanted to jump the queue. Yeah. He's ready to put it in his newscast. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's embargo for the Sid Rosenberg show, you schmuck, you putts. <laughs> but, but let me tell you something. Don't start smoking your cigarettes yet. Uh, not yet? Not, not yet. Because here it is. Now, we have heard over the past two weeks that Andrew Evilized... Hold on Como. a second. Stop right there. Yes. Don't even go any further. I want everybody driving right now to pull over. Listen to me. Pull over. Make the radio louder. Tell your kids and your wife to shut up and take a good listen to what Curtis is about to tell you. And before he even does that, Lewis, for the sake of, well, I guess um, you want to make the show sound good, give us the breaking news sounder, the breaker here, and let Curtis go about his business. Breaking news, WABC. Music to my ears. 168 pages, uh, this poll. And Justin tried to actually print it out, and it destroyed our <laughs> print machine. I said, Justin, we, you, you, no, just give us the memorandum. Give us the findings of this poll. In a Democratic mayoral primary, Andrew Cuomo leads Eric Adams by 21 points. Stop it. In a hypothetical 2025 New York City Democratic mayoral primary election, Andrew Cuomo gets 44% of the vote. Eric Adams, 24% of the vote. Oh, my God. He crushes him. Crushes him. Listen, Mayor Eric Adams earns the highest unfavorable rating amongst all of the political figures, Democrats, that we tested in the city with a 59% total unfavorable rating. And a 37% reporting a very unfavorable impression. Oh my God. In contrast, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, all out crazy, holds the highest favorability rating Whatever. 
at 57%. Well, that just goes to show you how misogynistic and gross these photos are because, although I'm not in that camp, there are many, many men out there who find her to be very, very attractive, and they look away from the fact that she hates Jewish people, she hates white people, she hates everybody because, according to them, not me, she's got a cute ass. But before Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo dances at Tarantella, in Corleone, Sicily, because, you know, that's where he was, tracing the footsteps of Michael Corleone as he plots his political comeback. Because that's exactly where he is in Sicily. In a hypothetical 2024 Democratic U.S. Senate primary matchup, Kirsten Gillibrand leads Andrew Cuomo 49% to Cuomo's 34%. Ooh, that's, a, that's a big lead for her. And she's awful. Kirsten Gillibrand is awful. But what is the difference when it's mano versus mano? And remember, all of these guys, uh, there have been allegations of sexual harassment. The voters, they don't let that interfere with their choice selection. But because Cuomo has so much of that baggage, I believe, that's why he's behind Kirsten Gillibrand. They would not give me the results, though, for Hochul. Hokel not give me the results for Hokel versus Cuomo. If he wants to run for governor again. Well, you know, that's what, really where he wants course, to be. Of course, of course. But, but if those numbers are right about mayor, which is not a terrible job, if you're first getting back after the way he had to leave to become the mayor of New York City, that's not a horrible thing. And I know that Eric Adams has said time and time again the last couple of weeks, he's not going to do it. He's my friend. My friend? You think Andrew Cuomo values friendship, Eric, you're not that stupid. Stop it. If he knows he's up by 20 points today, according to Curtis, and he's not up against Hoka, those numbers come out, and Gillibrand is kicking his ass, your Golo friend there going to come into New York City and kick you right in the teeth. We welcome Andrew Evilize Cuomo into the meat grinder. He can say, I have to do this because my father lost that runoff for mayor against I Ed remember Koch. Ed Koch. When, yeah. as a 23-year-old campaign manager for his father, in the Queens County Democratic Machine headquarters on Austin Street, when Matty Troy was the chairman of the party, by the way, he went to jail for bilking widows, bilking widows, and hey, uh, Congressman Peter King, he went to Brooklyn Prep, too, just like us. Yeah. All of a sudden, Andrew Cuomo says, the polls are down. Koch is going to beat you in the runoff. We got a strategy, Pops. You got to give us the green light. The signs are already printed in a Long Island City warehouse, printing warehouse. Vote for Cuomo, not the homo. We're ready to put him up. Mario thought all of five seconds and gave the Julius Caesar thumbs up. Yeah. And the next morning, they were everywhere in the city. This was Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo who devised this strategy. Now, what year was this? Oh, this goes back to uh, when there was a runoff in the Democratic primary. I'm trying to think. Late the year, 70s? 60s, 60s, I believe. A late 60s against right. Ed Koch. I think it was the 70s. Vote for Cuomo, not, not the, homo. the homo. Which, which I got to tell you, is actually kind of funny. And I, I almost wish, at the uh, risk of uh, making some of my homosexual friends upset, which I doubt they will be because they're not like that. They're, they're, they're not pussies. I almost wish we could go back to those days. Wait. Wait, though, all of a sudden, David Garth, who helped elect Rudy Giuliani, came to the rescue of Ed Koch. He sat him down. He said, you're going to lose this. I'm going to call what every booby and Zeta would wish that her son would date and marry. Bess Meyerson, the only <laughs> Jewish woman to ever win 
Yeah. The Miss America yes. contest on yes. the boardwalk of Atlantic City. And he said, Bess, you owe me a favor. You're going to be attached to Ed Koch the rest of the way. You guys are going to smooch. You're going to kiss in front of all the Altacacas. They're going to, you're going to promise that if Ed gets elected, there's going to be a wedding at Gracie Mansion. Meantime, Ed Koch was totally gay. Everybody knew that. And they pulled it off. They faked everybody out. And all of your people, all the old Jewish grandmothers said, oh, I want to be able to go to this wedding. <laughs> and Ed Koch searched to victory. And you know that Andrew Ibelais Cuomo and Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo would never acknowledge that they did this to Ed Koch just to try to win. Although they got him back when they beat him in right, the primary right, for right. governor. So here's the um, the $64,000 question. Yes. As we get to set to wrap up this great conversation. We all know how much you can stand Eric Adams. And yes, you ran against him. It's a little personal. But the truth is, you really think he's a horrible mayor. And we all know how much you can stand Andrew Cuomo. And yes, there's personal history there as well. But you also are quick to acknowledge he's one of the most corrupt and awful governors in the history of this state. So it's very simple. You hate both guys, both professionally and personally. Assuming you don't win, which is a big assumption because I think you would, and it was down to you voting for Eric Adams or Andrew Cuomo, what would Curtis Sliwa do? I would walk into my voting booth there. On the Upper West Side, when Nancy and my cat, I always vote with my cat. Yeah. And, you know, they give you a pen to sort of mark, you know, the little sure. circle. Yeah. I would take it, and I would impale myself right, right in the eye. You, I would bleed you, out right on the floor. Yeah, you would basically go, what, Donald Manis. Exactly. <laughs> I would not in any way, shape, or form vote for any of these two disgraciados, these And, by the way, let me remind Andrew Evil Lies Cuomo. Yeah. You may be doing well in the polls now, but so was Elliot Spitzer on his comeback to run for I'll the city control. I like Elliot Spitzer. Yeah, I bet you do. You probably wear your knee socks, too. Well, now, listen, I saw him on the streets of New York a couple of weeks ago. I mean, his thing was really blown way out of proportion. Well, anyway. By the way, the year was uh, 1977. Wiener sent you a text. Oh, oh. 1977. Thank you, Anthony Wiener. But anyway, the point being is... That here was Elliot Spitzer on his comeback. People said, wow, he's going to win. He's going to become New York City controller. And there was this Mameluke, worse than Frank Marano himself, Scott Stringer, the Mameluke, couldn't speak. I mean, look at him. Look at him. And then all of a sudden, there were a few debates. And who became the city controller cooking the books here and helping to create this disaster for us? Scott the Mameluke Stringer. Excuse me. Scott the Mameluke. Actually beat, beat Elliot Spencer. So, hey, Andrew Cuomo, come into the meat grinder. I'm going to be like the gladiator. I'm getting in the pit. Bring them all on. I'm ready for them. In fact, let's tell our boss, John Katsimatidis, Studio 77. Look, if DeSantis could debate Newsom, why won't you let me debate any of these per- persons, male or female, AOC, Scott Stringer, Eric Adams, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, I dare all of you to debate me. Let's get it on and stop hiding Andrew Evilized Cuomo in Corleone in Sicily, trying to learn the comeback from Michael Corleone, <laughs> the godfather. Across the 
If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Know that you feel me somehow. You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be, and I don't wanna go home right now. And all I could taste is this moment, and all I can breathe is your life. And sooner or later it's over. I just don't want. Today happens to be the birthday of lead singer Johnny Resnick. We did play Better Days early. We're going to play Better Days again next hour. This is Iris by the Google Dolls. I, uh, well, almost every day, actually every day, I promote my social media sites on here. Not because I want to, but because I have to. Especially my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Many of you still follow me, at Sid Rosenberg. That account has been down for about three years. So, at Rosenberg.Sydney is my Instagram account. Sid Rosenberg is my Facebook account. And if you put a gun to my head... You're never going to see me tweet or X or whatever it's called because 
pound for pound, the biggest low lives God ever created are on that specific social media every day. I mean, real assholes. So, for me, it's Instagram and Facebook. So, lately I've been having these um, amazing guests on, and guess what? No disrespect to Paul King, who was great earlier this morning, or Curtis Sliwa, or Lee Zeldin coming up next. I'm finding out that the females are kicking ass on this show, whether it's Siggy Flicker or Lizzie Savetsky or or uh, Natalie Sanandaji or Michelle Lubin from Jexit or Lara Trump. These are the people that are getting me the most likes and hits. Gina, who I love dearly, her whole family, her mother Danielle, her brother Rocco, I love all of them. I have no idea how to say your last name. It's Limberopolis. It's what? Limberopolis. Limberopolis. This is why you just call me Gina Bina. Gina Bina, right. And you work with um, Doug and uh, Stephanie. You guys are great. You three specifically are great. Thank you. And you've been uh, keeping track of this stuff, and you're excited to tell me about two people specifically that are giving this show, Sitting Friends in the Morning, a ton of exposure. Yeah. So... Uh, I was looking at the social numbers this morning, just, you know, doing my job like I usually do. Right. <laughs> You're great at it. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to start just saying Lizzie Savetsky that you had on. Was it last week or the week before? Lizzie was on uh, last week. I actually got, uh, it may have been two weeks ago, I actually got Lizzie Savetsky on Rudy Giuliani's show last week. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, her and her uh, great husband, Dr. Iris Savetsky, have invited me and Danielle to their apartment this Sunday night to celebrate night three of Hanukkah, oh, the Hanukkah awesome. party. But I know when she was here, she did very, very well. Yes. So her number, she has on that video uh, 138,000 views. Wow. And on a second one that we posted. That's got to be one of the, the largest numbers one of the ever biggest here, right? we've had on the show, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on the second one that she did, she had 43,900 views. And they're still going up because it's the algorithm, the For You page right. shows up. It's all uh, Israel advocacy. So Right, the people in Israel that are liking it. And And, and I did notice this, and you know better than me. So if I put something on my page, or you put it on WABC's page, and that person in turn puts it on their page, then we start getting, like, orgasmic numbers. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So basically it's something called the collaboration. It's a new thing on Instagram. So you invite people to collab on a post so it shows up on their page as well. So you get all of their followers and their likes and everything, and it comes to your page, and you guys come together to create a big storm of likes and views. Wow. So in this case, Lizzie Savetsky did that, Yes. And then the second person that did it recently was Lara Trump, who you had on yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. She collabed, and that was massive because she has 1.6 million followers on her page. And obviously, you know, she's she's the the daughter-in-law of Trump. Right. So she has currently only over maybe a 12-hour span 26,400 views on that video. Yes. Wow. And we're still moving. I would, every time I update it, the number goes up a little bit more. So she actually, Lara put that on her page. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Says, very, a lot about, cool. says a lot about me, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm saying, like, <laughs> honestly, no, it's, it's, it's massive because, you know, you have somebody established, someone with a name, like, with a Trump, with a Trump name. Yeah. Now you're attached to the page. And now, you know, Sid it's make it. Sid and Friends in the Morning, Rosenberg got Sydney. They're all on. They're all there. They're all on Lara's page. That is unbelievable. But how that many cameos good. are they all doing? Right. How many cameos? <laughs> You know, uh, we actually, Gnome did cut up one of my cameos. Nothing spectacular, just the average cameo. And we're going to play it side by side with George Santos later. <laughs> so you have a choice. See if you can tell the difference. Right. And, well, you can buy me on Cameo for 30 bucks or pay George Santos 200 bucks.
I'm willing to pay it. I like love that man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I like him too. <laughs> I, I was on the show two weeks ago. I love him. I know him. he's great. I, I keep defending him. I'm like, he's why well, get rid of him? Yeah. He votes for America. He votes for Israel. Mm-hmm. You want to get rid of people? Get rid of these anti-Semites. It's the true. Omar, the Rashida Talibs, the AOC. Mm-hmm. Who cares about George Santos? So he stole a couple of bucks from Botox. Who hasn't? No, it's true. What? You, it, <laughs> <laughs> what? Got her. <laughs> Not true on that end. I'm talking about the truth of, you know, what he believes in. And I, I think it's really cool that you have him on and yeah, give him that cool. shot, too. He may come back again. Anyway, thank you for stopping by this of morning. Of course, of course. You are you a, gr- a great, great uh, person, and you do a tremendous job. So thank you so much. Thanks, Sid. So That's are you. Gina Bina right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Lee Zeldin. Who was on with Mark Levin on Sunday night? It was so good. He's going to join me next, talking about the issues on the college campuses. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Former New York Congressman, former New York gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin. Do you see a concerted effort? by the Biden administration to use their resources to really dig into what's going on in these universities, these colleges, these front organizations, these student visas and all the rest. Are you seeing that? No. They have the tools to, but they're not. They should be all in on this effort. There are right now Jewish students who are unable to get from their dorm to their classroom without feeling threatened, confronted by people who are dressed like Hamas terrorists, using rhetoric like Hamas terrorists, and in certain cases, actually physically bullying, intimidating. And when that college student ends up going to that faculty member to uh, ask for help, the faculty member is telling them that they need to go see a therapist. Uh, We see at the City University of New York where there was rampant anti-Semitism before October 7th, where if you want to celebrate your graduation from their school of law, you have to sit through a hate-filled commencement address two years in a row by someone filled with with violent uh, thoughts and, and anti-Semitism. They had a Muslim professor who on a Sunday was... Uh, giving a sermon in New Jersey talking about how the Muslims should be eliminating the filth of the Jews uh, from Israel. You have you, you had a, a city council meeting that was set up to combat anti-Semitism around the schedule of the chancellor and then the chancellor no-shows. That's just one university. We see Cooper Union. We see stories from Columbia, from Cornell, just inside of one state in New York. And just talking about the college setting, we haven't even started talking about the streets or the halls of government. They're begging for leadership and action. Does this administration have the tools to combat this? Yes, absolutely. Are they? Heck no. And that's a problem. Listening to Lee Zeldin is so frustrating. It really is because he's so damn smart and he's so damn good, and he should be running this state instead of that wench, Kathy Hochul, who rivals Andrew Cuomo as the worst governor, I believe, in the history of this state. They are neck and neck, man. This is like Ali Dar and Affirmed with Stevie Carton. You like that reference, don't you, Lewis? <laughs> Only I can man, do that. I am old. I get every old. I know you do. You're old. old. But it's true. I mean, Lee is just, he's terrific. That was uh, courtesy of my dear friend Mark Levin, the Mark Levin Show, Sunday on Fox News. And here he is, the aforementioned 
My man, an American hero too, mind you, served this country and continues to. Very proudly, Lee Zeldin. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Sid. Great to be back with you. Oh, it's great to have you back, too. And uh, watching you on TV that night, I, I, I right away reached out to Justin and said, we got to get uh, Lee back on the show. You know, people do ask me before we get to the, your, your comments about our campuses and anti-Semitism, what is Lee doing? I mean, he ran for governor. He did a great job. Obviously, he won the Republican primary and against three very impressive men. And they're kind of still waiting for Lee Zeldin to make a return to public politics. Do uh, you want to share where you are today in that endeavor? Well, I happen to be driving up to Binghamton to do a bunch of uh, events up there, uh, partially to combat anti-Semitism. That's uh, two of the four events. Uh, The Broome County Republican Party is uh, doing a holiday party this evening. So, I mean, we continue to stay involved with trying to help build the Republican Party around the state, continue to stay engaged in important issues to me and you and uh, a lot of your audience. Uh, I started up a charity at the beginning of the year and we're trying to get involved in whatever type of good projects, charitable projects that we can there. But as far as a decision on you know, the next big move, uh, that's a decision for another day. In the meantime, I just stay very involved. And the one thing that is the most worthy of bragging has been the time spent uh, with my daughters, uh, my twin girls who are seniors now before they head off to college, making up for lost time, because I'll tell you what, in 12 years in elected office, the last eight years in Congress, uh, there was a lot of missed Mm. little things which are pretty big for the girls. That's been the best part. And they are wonderful girls, your wife, Dee, and the girls. I mean, your your family, you've got a beautiful family. And, of course, you're a terrific father, whether you were in D.C. or surely Long Island. You're you're a great dad, and it shows. And i got to tell you, my son, Gabe, is just a freshman in high school. He just turned 15. My daughter, thank God, is away in college. She goes to college in Europe, and I love where she goes to college. She's not dealing with half of the crap that Americans are dealing with here, but your daughter's about to go away or stay home, whatever it may be. The choice of picking a college these days, because I know they're both brilliant and great students, but my godly, there's not one Ivy League school I would even consider. It's got to make this job even more difficult for you guys. Can you imagine being valedictorian of your class, busting your butt to be, you know, getting near perfect scores or perfect scores on your tests, uh, involved in extracurriculars, and, and, and you get into your dream school of Harvard. You spend all that money, and you're sitting in the classroom, and, and Bill de Blasio or Lori Lightfoot are teaching your class. Oh, my God. I'm like, really? You, you could go to any other place of higher education and their best selling point may be if you come here, we promise that you won't have to sit in the class with Lori Lightfoot and Bill de Blasio. The amount of people who fall up into these Ivy League uh, institutions, I-, I think it should come back and bite them. We're seeing it to a certain extent with uh, the people who used to very generously donate to these colleges. They're upset with what they're seeing with uh, the anti-Semitism rising on campus. Uh, but I'm watching what's going on on these college campuses more than ever from the most personal of positions because, yeah, my daughters are going to have to have an important decision here in the next few weeks, next couple months. Mm. And there's some places I think are doing a pretty good job of disqualifying themselves. Oh, there's no question about it. I know, in fact, today Harvard, Penn, and MIT, all three have come up really lousy the last couple of months since October the 7th, are meeting uh, in D.C., and all three should consider getting rid of their presidents, just like Hofstra. 
here on Long Island, uh, a school very near and dear to you out there on Long Island. They've got the same issue. Their president came out and basically sympathized with Hamas and the murderers and not uh, not the Israelis. So, yes, I don't envy you. I'll have that same decision coming up in about three years. The question in this state, though, forgetting about the rest of the country, in this state, because you talked to Levin about schools like NYU and Columbia and others, we're clearly not doing enough to fix this. What else should we be doing to make sure this anti-Semitism doesn't exist and people, in fact, are, are taking account for this? Well, I'll tell you a few things quick off the bat. The government doesn't even define what anti-Semitism even is. I feel like the state, the federal government, should be adopting, adopting the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism. I think we all should be in agreement on what anti-Semitism is. A lot of these universities, they receive tax dollars. They should not be receiving tax dollars if they are allowing, if they are empowering, embracing, elevating in any way the anti-Semitism where Jewish students feel threatened in their quest to just be able to simply simply get from point A to point B. Thirdly, in some of these places, you have government officials, the governor, the state legislature involved with the selection of who the chancellors are, who the trustees are. We should be booting people who aren't going to courageously step up in a time like this with moral clarity to be able to do the right thing. And the fourth thing I'll mention quickly is that we have elected officials who either aren't saying anything or when they do say something, they're refusing to condemn Hamas. They won't name the beheadings, the kidnappings, the rapes, the hostage taking. These elected officials all need to be called out for it. They should be booted from office because of it. And these are just the first four to come to mind. There are a hundred different things that we could be doing. The most important thing as a parent or as a student is making sure that we're not going to these places where you're going to be in an environment where they're trying to indoctrinate or brainwash you. What's the point of spending all that money and going to higher education if you're not going to be getting a quality education? Save that money. Put it somewhere else. Yeah, good point. Lee Zeldin, folks, the pride of Shirley Long Island, the great congressman and almost governor. Who knows what's next? He's such an impressive uh, man and a dear friend of mine. Hey, Lee, I want to get to uh, Biden. And uh, I've got family members who are Democrats, and they're not going to change Jewish Democrats. And they actually think Biden's doing a good job. And I've heard people say that around the country. He's doing a good job, and, you know, he's pro-Israel. And and I have to tell you that when they say that, I, I, I want to throw up because, to me, once you're in bed with Iran, I've made this statement a thousand times the last two months, I'll make it again. Once you're in bed with Iran, and he has been that way, not in one, but two administrations, dating to his days back with Barack Obama, when him, Obama, and Kerry did that Iran deal. Then he takes office as president, tries to revive that deal right away. Then he's giving them hostages. He's giving them millions and millions of dollars. He's not enforcing any any of the sanctions. He's loosening restrictions. You can't do all that for Iran and be a friend of Israel at the same time. You just can't. So I have said on record, I've been taking to task by guys like Michael Goodwin of the Post. Joe Biden is not only a creep, but he's complicit in these attacks. And boy, do they get pissed. What do you think? Iran has to get called out on their role. There's no way that Hamas carries out this attack without being resourced and blessed by Iran. Okay, so so, so if Joe Biden has been in bed with Iran in not just one, but two administrations, how is he not complicit? Uh, well, I mean, listen, I had been calling out to that point. I mean, just a few weeks before this got carried out, he gave $6 billion, was signed off on on September 11th 
to Iran as part of a ransom to be able to get U.S. hostages back. I will tell you that Barack Obama, in my opinion, is worse. Uh, Biden, though, did empower this guy Rob Malley to be his special envoy to Iran. This guy's now out of the position because he was being charged as an Iranian spy, accused of being an Iranian spy, the person who the who the Biden administration was appointing to be in charge of his relationship, his interaction uh, with Iran. So we have the billions of dollars that are going to Iran. There's the refusal to call out Iran's role as it relates to October 7th. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of problems here. I mean, they, they've we're seeing it at the United Nations. We're seeing it in the direct interactions. And right now, over the course of the last few weeks, we have had U.S. service members uh, attacked dozens of times in the Middle East. We just woke up to news over the weekend where there was a U.S. warship uh, that was being attacked. All of this needs to get called out. They're not going to they're not scared of a strongly worded letter. They're not scared of a letter that shows up or a press release showing up with Anthony Blinken's name on the top of the letterhead. And, and, and the red lines that get pushed are meaningless if you don't actually do anything about it. You can't say don't attack U.S. service members or we will do everything in our power to defend ourselves when they are going to do it dozens and dozens of times since October 7th. And it seems like we're not doing anything. Two more, about uh, three minutes to go. On October 8th, that Sunday morning, I made a video in my living room. It's still up on my Instagram page. I remember that day the Jets were playing the Giants, and I made a point because I'm a big sports guy. I can't even watch the game. I was so sick over what happened the day before in Israel. And for one second, I mean this. I've never served this country. I'm not capable. Uh, For one second, I thought about Pat Tillman how he decided after watching the buildings crumble to the ground on 9-11 to forego millions of dollars and a wonderful life playing in the National Football League and go serve our country, which he did. And unfortunately, he died friendly fire in a lonely cave in Afghanistan. But man, is he the, the face of courage. Well, you served us proudly in Iraq and Afghanistan, too. Have you not considered at any point being the proud Jew that you are, Lee Zeldin, going there to Israel and actually trying to snuff out these Hamas terrorists? Well, listen, I, mean, I still serve in the Army Reserve, so uh, and I had reserve duty this past weekend, um, I, you know, and, and this is something that is close to my heart. Um, I, I'm a U.S. American soldier. I'm not you know, going to be leaving the United States military to go join the IDF. Got it. Um, it you know, it, it's uh, yeah, I, I've spent over 20 years now in the United States Army. I love I love serving in. I did five years of ROTC before that, and uh, the, the idea of leaving that post to go serve in another nation's uh, military is not something that I'm going to be doing. But um, I will say that as somebody who is uh, per, a person who puts America first, I value the the friendship uh, with Israel. They are our great ally. I do want to do. Uh, everything in my power to help. Uh, my my first and foremost loyalty is to the U.S. Got it. All right, so let's get local, and we'll let you run another amazing conversation, Lee. George Santos, that's over. So it's two questions. Hey, you want it? <laughs> and uh, B, probably not. Do you have any, I don't know, picks, anybody you'd like to recommend or suggest to take that George Santos seat? I don't. Uh, there's going to be a special election, as you know, called for some time in February. Kathy Hochul at first put out a tweet, which, by the way, is still up, where she was talking about how 
she was going to fill the seat. No, Hochul, that's not how this works. Uh, you set a special election date. The way it works with special elections, there aren't primaries. You know, there will be a general election in November of 2024. There will be a primary election and a general election for that race next year. But as far as the special election goes, the party picks the candidate. It looks like the Democrats are most likely to pick Tom Swazi, although I guess that hasn't been announced. That's not done. Uh, we'll see. The Republicans are going to have to vet and pick whoever uh, is believed to be the strongest candidate. And we, we need to do everything in our power to make sure that that person wins. Because so, 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 how does that, so, so how does that work? Right, right. Well, no, we, we cannot allow it exactly. Hakeem Jeffries to become speaker. We need that seat back. So how does that work? You basically walk into an office and sit down with Joe Cairo. He interviews you and he's going to be the judge and jury here. How does that work? Well, so there's been a whole lot of people who have stepped up. This district is both in Nassau County and Queens County. Uh, I I don't know offhand exactly what the process is of whether or not it's, you know, going before a whole bunch of uh, Republican committee men, whether it's just a few, it's just one. I I just don't have the answer to it. I, uh, I do believe that right now the Nassau County Republican Committee is as strong as any Republican committee you'll find anywhere in America on no notice, they can rally many hundreds of people to show up, to, to show up at a rally, to hit doors. They could do it on 24, 48 hours notice. In that district on the North Shore of Nassau, they just won the town of North Hempstead seat, the county legislative seat around Great Neck. These are very Democrat areas. Uh, we saw it in 2021, 2022, 2023. In this third congressional district, things are trending to the right. Uh, so I, I think that the Republican effort right now is being – uh, underrated in our ability. And listen, George Santos won. I, I, I won that uh, that congressional seat uh, very strongly in our governor's race. Uh, so we have to get the right candidate in, whatever the process is going to be, go all in behind that candidate and make sure that they win so that uh, we don't have Jerry Nadler again to chair the Judiciary Committee. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you mentioned Hakeem Jeffries and, Jer- and uh, Jerry Nadler. I almost want to move back to Boca. I swear to God. Uh, but I've got people like you here. Thank God still. Lee Zeldin, thank you for this uh, great conversation. Good luck up in Binghamton today. You know I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Sid. Take care. You're the best. Congressman Lee Zeldin right there on a variety of topics, including our college campuses, Joe Biden and the George Santos seat. That wraps up the first half of today's show. We've got a great second half to come your way, which includes Gary Myers, great, great sports writer, New York Daily News, football giants, Bill Belichick, all of it, live in studio. Rudy Giuliani's going to be here this morning. And, yes, Sopranos and Blue Blood star Stevie Bobby Bacala Sharippa. He coming up to our number three of the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Coming up next. But I felt inside Pass me by You said you'd return You said you'd be mine Till the end of time But I'm waiting any longer Why don't you come back? Please hurry, why don't you come back? Please hurry Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have been?
77 WABC. Tensions escalate in the Israel-Hamas war. The Israeli army stepped up the ground offensive, this time moving into the southern part of the Gaza Strip. Heavy artillery fell on Khan Yunus in southern Gaza, where Israel reportedly believes the remaining hostages are held. Residents fled as airstrikes leveled areas. We're pursuing Hamas wherever Hamas is hiding, in the north and in the south. The Israeli army says it's targeting Hamas and is warning people to evacuate their homes and head farther south. International aid workers warn civilians are running out of places to hide from the fighting. The Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry says dozens of people were killed in the latest Israeli airstrikes. A spokesperson for the State Department says Hamas is using Palestinians as human shields. Unfortunately, we do expect to see civilian casualties as a result of this campaign. Um, that is sadly true in all wars. The U.S. says it expects Israel to comply with international humanitarian law. No. We do not want to see a military campaign uh, in the nor- in the south that looks like the north. More than 130 hostages are still held by Hamas, including eight Americans, 19-year-old U.S.-Israeli citizen Itai Hen, an IDF soldier, is unaccounted for. There is concern that the U.S. is being drawn into the war. Drawn in? Carney, naval Already in, you moron. They've got, they've got hostages. commercial ships in the Red Sea. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but... These people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. Come on. And the reality is that um... for FSU, it's the first time in CFP history that an undefeated Power Five champion failed to finish in the top four. And there's a lot of reaction pouring in after FSU was left out of the playoffs. Here's what Governor Ron DeSantis posted after the announcement. He says, "What we learned today is that you can go undefeated and win your conference championship game, but the College Football Playoff Committee." will ignore these results. The governor goes on to say congratulations to FSU for an outstanding season and winning the ACC championship. Senator Rick Scott says the playoff committee robbed undefeated FSU from the opportunity of being national champions. He goes on to say this team has given everything they had each week on the field and called today's decision disgraceful. Oh, poor Zach. He got hit so many times. Uh, I feel, look, he, you were right to bench him. He, he's right not to want to play. They stink around him. Trust me, we've all been there. We've all gotten our asses kicked horrendously because our teams have sucked. You still go and do it. And trust me, it makes you better at the end of the day. Why? Because glory and success feel so much better. When you can appreciate the agony, understand what what Zach might be thinking. But it is a move, man, and I can't handle it. Seriously, cut his ass today if that is true. I really went downhill after the World Trade Center. You know, Quasimodo predicted all this. Who did what? All these problems, the Middle East, the end of the world. Nostradamus. Quasimodo is the hunchback of Notre Dame. All right. Notre Dame. Nostradamus and Notre Dame. It's two different things completely. 
It's interesting, though, to be so similar, isn't it? And I always thought, okay, hunchback of Notre Dame. You also got your quarterback and your halfback of Notre Dame. One's a f cathedral. Obviously, I know. I'm just saying. It's interesting, the coincidence. What? You're going to tell me you never fond of that? The back thing with Notre Dame? No. And you ask me what I want this year And I try to make this kind and clear Just a chance that maybe we'll find better days Cause I don't need boxes wrapped in strings And design a love and empty things Just a chance that maybe we'll Tonight, tonight, the world begins again. We did this earlier this morning. Google dials. Better days. We're all hoping for better days. Today happens to be the birthday of the lead singer of this great group out of Buffalo, New York, Johnny Resnick, who used to be a really good-looking guy, but I don't know what the hell happened to him. He's gotten a lot of work done. He's going to look like I'm missing about 10 years. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. You don't want to look like an impersonating a lesbian or yeah, something. I don't yeah. know what he's trying to do. How old is he again today, Reznik? He's such a good singer, though. He's 58. 58 years old. Happy birthday to Reznik and the Google Dolls. So much in that open. By the way, it's been a great show already. Paul King out of my neighborhood in uh, Rockaway there in Queens, Louis' neighborhood. He's going to run again against that louse Gregory Meeks in 2024. Curtis Sliwa was here this morning. We heard from uh, Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin was... Absolutely terrific. Who am I missing? We had somebody at, um, no, that's it so far, right? That's it. We've got Steve Sharippa. That's why we played that great scene from The Sopranos with the late, great Jimmy Gandolfini, a.k.a. Tony Soprano, God rest his soul, and uh, Bobby Bacala, Steve. Steve, he does these shows, you know. Their live shows are great. It's him, Michael Imperioli. He played Christopher. And I believe Vinnie Pistori who played Big Pussy, who's in the show Gravesend with me. In fact, I uh, shot a couple of scenes with Vinny on hand, including one really good scene at Michael's Restaurant in Brooklyn. 
So he does these live shows, and it's the Sopranos, and it's a lot of fun. And they've got one coming up uh, very shortly at the Paramount Theater, where a lot of you guys saw me and Bill O'Reilly kick ass. So Sharip is going to join me coming up in about 15 minutes, maybe 20. And the other stuff in the open, you have the Israel Hamas stuff. You had George Santos now doing cameos. We played the one from John Fetterman. John Fetterman actually sent Santos a cameo request asking Santos, you're not going to believe this, asking Santos to send a message out about Bob Menendez in New Jersey. I'm not kidding you. You can't make it up. And, no, he, and he did it. So, it the whole thing and it's so stupid. Just play it. Yeah, play it. Number one, this is, believe it or not, this was a cameo request sent by John Fetterman, which Santos complied. He's getting 200 bucks for these, where he sent a message out to Bob Menendez in New Jersey. George Santos, number one. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Can't make this up. 200 bucks. So I made the point earlier. I've been on Cameo for four years. I don't promote it here. Should. Why not? I only got 30 bucks a pop. I'm going to raise my price today. If I were you, I would raise it. You'd just I'm going to raise it, I raise. swear to God. Yeah. What? Santos gets 200 bucks a pop. I, sh- I should get at least 100. But I'm at 30 bucks right now. I hope Bob Menendez requests one. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> also in the open, you heard about this Florida State deal. You know, it's one thing when those dopes at ESPN get all fired up about it. I like those guys, but they're all dopey. Kirk Herbstreet and... Desmond Howard and, you know, I guess Lee Corso, all those guys. They're all friends, but come on. They're grown men talking about college football. But this Florida State deal is a big deal because they went 13-0 and undefeated. They play in a big conference, the ACC, and they were left out of the college football playoffs where number one Michigan will play number four Alabama in the Rose Bowl and number two Texas Excuse me, number three, Texas, will take on number two, Washington, in the Sugar Bowl for the right to play for the national championship coming up on January the 8th. So now DeSantis and Rick Scott, all these Florida politicians, DeSantis should be more worried that he's getting his ass kicked by my good buddy Donald Trump. Trump going to kick his ass. I love it. But he's not. He was talking Florida State yesterday, and he went after Trump. I'll tell you why. Trump put on social media first. On Truth Social, this. Florida State was treated very badly by the committee. They become the first Power 5 team to be left out of the college football playoffs. Really bad lobbying effort. Let's blame the sanctimonious. My guy Trump, he's the best. On uh, Truth Social. So DeSantis fired back about Florida State football. This is Ron DeSantis, cut number 15. Undefeated conference champion, and to be left out in favor of two one-loss teams. And, and not those are good teams. I mean, don't get me wrong. No, but Florida State team. earned that spot. Now, people have said, um, you know, what's going to – is there anything you can do? They're actually looking to see is there anything they can do. I don't know if there is any recourse, but I have set aside a million dollars in case there ever is any litigation. I'm not saying that there's going to be. They are looking at it. Uh, I don't think that this uh, has spoke well for college football, and we'll see. And, you know, Donald Trump wants to blame me. You know, he also said that um, he also took Disney's side against us when we stood up for the kids. He also said Cuomo 
in New York did COVID uh, be better than we did, and they attacked me for being pro-life. Maybe that's a reason we should have a debate on your show, Laura. Stop being a keyboard warrior, and let's uh, step up and debate one-on-one. -on -one. He's had a lot to yeah. say about me over the last year. Say it to yeah. my face. I'm game. Oh, please. All of a sudden, you're a tough guy. He's such a pussy. I like Ron DeSantis. I like him a lot. I do. He's my, he's my, he's my second choice. I like him a lot more than that backstabbing Nikki Haley, but he's a tough guy now. Rigor mortis has already set in, Ronnie. The body's dead. Where was this tough guy six months ago? Now you have a debate tomorrow night. He's not even coming, DJT, nor should he embarrass himself on stage with people like fat, stupid Chris Christie or you or angry Nikki Haley. Who's the fourth person on stage tomorrow night? Oh, uh, the other guy who doesn't like Jews, Vivek Ramaswamy, who wants to cut off all aid to Israel. He's still alive. In this he's thing. still alive. Still he's a real asshole. <laughs> this is what DJT is going to do tomorrow night. No, thank you. He's doing just fine. He's up by about 1,000 points. All right. We got, uh, so, Steve Sharippa, Rudy Giuliani, and Gary Myers still to come. Big, big, every day's a big show. Tuesday, student friends in the morning. I'll be right back. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. In a battle over music rights, about $50 million battle, you make my dreams come true. So let me uh, say this before I get to Steve Sharippa, Rudy Giuliani, and Gary Myers. Quite a threesome about to come your way. Another person who's not a friend of the Jews, as far as I'm concerned, Biden hasn't fooled me, not even a little. He may be, uh, yes, he's not as bad as Obama. Obama hates us. When I say us, I mean the Jews. He despises the Jews. So I'll give you that. Biden is not as bad as Obama, but Biden can give a rat's ass either. If you think any differently, you're somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter. But this Kamala Harris, she's another one. She's another one. I'm going to say this for the millionth time, and then we'll go in different directions here. 
It's going to sound really insensitive, maybe even cruel. I don't care. I don't care what happens to the Palestinians. I don't care. I'm sorry. I got to be honest with you folks. If I'm not honest, then what good is it? I don't care who dies. I don't. It's war. They didn't care. Do you think the women and children, the Palestinians, there is no Palestine. Do you think they cared about the Israelis who were butchered and raped on October the 7th? On the contrary, folks. Many stories about how as the Hamas terrorists, who are Palestinians, taking back the hostages, that civilians, those innocent people you're so worried about, they were smacking the hostages across the face, spitting on them. Little kids were handing out candies and dancing in the streets. Don't tell me they're innocent people. I don't know that. I don't know that for a second. I don't care. Again, for the millionth time, if they did not do what they did, not us, if they did not do what they did on October the 7th, nobody would be dying right now. We don't go into your neighborhoods and rape your daughters and kill your parents. We don't do that, not even now. Your kids are going to die, yes, because they're going to get blown up or shot. That's war. We didn't go into your neighborhood on 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 a holiday Saturday morning and decide to rape your daughters 20, 30 at a time and parade them naked around your town. We don't do that. But don't tell me to hold back this Kamala Harris She's disgusting. Here's uh, number eight. We need to protect Palestinian civilians. Bull shizzle. Kamala Harris, cut number eight. President Biden and I have also been clear with the Israeli government. We don't in care. In public and in private many times. We don't care what you say. As Israel defends itself, yeah. it matters how. No, it doesn't. The United States is unequivocal. Yeah. International Pussies. humanitarian law Liars. must be respected. Yeah. Shut up. Too many innocent Shut it off. No, I don't care. I don't care. Oh, my God. I mean, shut up. Oh, no. Shut up. What would you do, Kamala Harris, if a bunch of those crazed gunmen came into Cincinnati or Brooklyn and murdered 50 people and raped our daughters? What would you do then? Would you let Netanyahu tell you to calm down? You need to shut up. Shut up. All of you. Biden. Harris. Blinken. Shut up. Steve Shrip is next. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You know, it's funny, Lewis, you'd be playing Bruce Springsteen right now because as I'm about to introduce the great Steve Schripper, I literally got a text seconds ago from little Stevie, Stephen Van Zandt, who, of course, is Mr. Music now for this band. He's taken over the E Street Band. He's the guy for Bruce. And, of course, he did a great job as Silvio Dante in The Soprano. So every year he's got this really cool policeman's ball. 
which Danielle and I went to last year. It was great. They honored Frank Caron. It's coming up December the 21st this year. So Stephen Van Zandt will join us at 9.15 tomorrow. But first, before we get to um, Silvio, let's talk to Bobby, whether it's Bobby Bacala on The Sopranos or Anthony in Blue Bloods. My next guest has distinguished himself as one of the great actors over the last couple of decades. Plus, he's a great friend and a terrific guy. My man, Steve Sripper. Stevie, good morning, buddy. How are you? What's happening, Sid? How are you, my friend? I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. I mean, look, it's, uh, these are very difficult times, and um, I'm pissed. I, I know you heard me yelling, so. <laughs> well, I understand. Listen, Sid, if this was a movie, if, if the world was a movie, if you were watching a movie, you and your wife, and what goes on in, in the world and in the United States and in New York City, you would say, ah, this is full of crap. This can never happen. <laughs> this can never happen. Yeah. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, it's just horrible. And, you know, my mother was Jewish. My, my grandmother was Jewish. You know, I, I grew up, uh, I was raised Catholic, but uh, my mother's name was uh, Lorraine Bernstein. My grandmother was Sally Moskowitz. So I wow. got the whole Jewish side of the family. I don't know if you ever knew that. I did but, know uh, that. Yeah. In fact, these are the types of things I guess you find out if you show up. Uh, I know that uh, in October, me and Bill O'Reilly sold out the place. We had a great live show at the Paramount Theater in Huntington, Long Island. These are the types of things I guess you find out from guys like you, Michael, and Vinny when they go to your show. Well, yeah, well, we're doing Conversation with the Sopranos. You know, we've been doing the show. Uh, we toured Australia, and, and uh, you know, we just were in D.C. and Peekskill and New Haven. We're going to be in Long Island sun- this Sunday night. We've got a handful of tickets left. Meet and greets are available. Great show. I mean, we got a great comic, Joey Cola. We show clips. We show slides throughout the show. We tell behind-the-scenes funny stories. Every show is different. It's real. If you're a Soprano fan, it's a can't, uh, can't miss. Then we do a big Q&A. I mean, it really is a lot of fun. And only people uh, that were there on the show, like Michael, me, and Vinny, uh, stories that we give you a peek behind the curtain. It really is, uh, it really is uh, a good show. People love it, and uh, we love doing it. You know, just funny. last a month, lot, a lot of laughs. No, know? of course. Well, you're a funny guy. I mean, you're a very, very funny guy. So, just I'm last, just saying, it's a lot of laughs. It's a yeah. lot of fun. So, if uh, come out this Sunday night, we, like I guess it's a handful of tickets left. We're happy to be on Long Island. We haven't been there in about a year and a half, and let's uh, so, you know, Michael's starting Broadway soon. So we had to postpone a few shows. Michael's going to star on Broadway coming up with uh, Jeremy Strong. I think it's called uh, Enemy of the People, the play. So uh, he's got that going. I started Blue Bloods last week. Nice. uh, We just went back to work. So it's our last season. Uh, You know, we're... Looking forward to that. And, you know, I worked yesterday, and uh, I know you're riled up. You're not. You, 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 I understand why. I understand why. You got to take it easy. So. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have much hair left. Come on. Now. You're right. You can't lose whatever strands you no, got right. going on. You're right. There. You're right. So, so, so we know for a fact already, right, that this is it for Blue Bloods. That's it. This is it. Well, that's what they announced. You're right. They announced this is season 14 is going to be it. You know, we were supposed to start July 19th, and the whole strike, we started last week. And uh, I worked last night in Greenpoint with uh, Donnie Wahlberg. We Unbelievable. We had a nice scene in the bar together, and, uh, you know, I work again tomorrow, and uh, you know, it's a great show. 
people love it. It's a shame it's going to end, but for whatever reason, whoever makes these decisions, who knows? But uh, that's it. It's an incredible run. So that's all you could say, you know? You know, it's funny. You talk about um, it's sad that it's going to end, and it was an incredible run, and that is true with Blue Bloods. I, I actually maintain, not because you're my dear friend, you're on the air right now, it's the best drama show on TV, not even close, but we all said the same thing about The Sopranos. Now, you know that last month, just last month, David Chase, the guy that had you whacked, he uh, he made it to the New Jersey Hall of Fame, which, of course, should have come years and years earlier, but it did happen finally last month. But if I would have said to you, Steve, I ask you this all the time, I know, but it's obligatory. If I would have said to you 20-something years ago that Sopranos would be long over, some of your best friends and castmates tragically would be gone, people like Jimmy and Tony, and you would still be doing live shows about that show and selling out theaters all across the country, you would have said I was nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is amazing because there's a whole new group of kids watching it, you know, because of streaming, Sid. So you got all these kids in their late teens, early 20s. They, you know, the show is half older people, half younger people. It's amazing. I mean, and like you said, theaters. Uh, we did 1,400 people in New Haven. There's going to be, you know, 1,100 people uh, at the Paramount. You know, uh, we got a show coming up in Montclair. It's already sold out. It, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing how this show has stuck around, probably going to stick around 50 years from now when we're all long gone, and uh, it'll still be, you know, on the air. People will still be watching it and loving it. I mean, it holds up. It, it is amazing. I would have never thought any of this. And nor did David Chase, you know. I mean, I've talked to David. We had him on the podcast three times. I mean, he had no, he didn't know, you know, when they were doing this, especially when you're making it. You know, you're so close to it. You don't realize it. Now you step back and go, look at this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite amazing. People love it all over the world. No, I know. know. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and some of these guys came to the show with uh, with some stuff on their resume, no doubt about it. But, I mean, Steve, you look at a guy like Van Zant, who's coming on tomorrow, for example. This guy was a rock and roll guy. He's playing for the E Street Band with Bruce Springsteen. He's got music stations, you know, the the, the garage on, on Sirius XM. Next thing you know, he's playing a consigliere. And, by the way, he was great. The oh, fact, he was great. Right? You know, when we watched it again for the uh, – he was one of my favorite characters on the show. Uh, you know, he, he, he was great. He did a great job. He was a great character. He had common sense. He was smart. He played it perfect. Stevie was great when we went back to, cause I didn't watch the show for years. And then when we did the podcast, each one, I had to watch it like three times. He was my favorite character, and of course, the great Tony Sirico. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he was, uh, he's an iconic character in, in the realm of like Kramer and the great TV characters. That's, that was Paulie Wong. I agree you with know. you. And, uh, certainly I loved him personally as you did. You know, I know for a fact, uh, cause I've actually been offered, believe it or not, uh, not officially yet, but to, uh, be in a movie, uh, Nick Vallelongo, who's won a couple of Academy Awards, is making this movie called That's Amore with John Travolta, Christopher Walken, and, uh, Drayton Mario is going to be in the movie, too. And I, I know for a fact that when Van Zant had to kill her, and he actually called her the C-word right before he did, he was really uncomfortable with that. Isn't that true? Yeah, well, of course. I mean, it was a tough thing. I mean, it was one that was very sad. He had to get rough. Stevie's not that kind of guy. You no. know, you got to do stuff on camera. And uh, it, it was good for everybody that you didn't see it. 
it was done perfectly that you didn't see him killing her. Right, that's you know? true. Right, she walked away. That would have been really gruesome. Right. And people, that was disturbing. It that was. was disturbing. It, it was, was a lot of disturbing stuff. You know, Michael talks about when they had the fight and he hit, he had to hit uh, Adriana and stuff. It's very, very uncomfortable. And, and, you know, when you have to step out of what you really like, you know, and Stevie's not that killer. You saw him. It was perfect, perfectly done. She was crawling in the woods. Ugh. You know, it was brutal. But, you know, we did twice this morning leading up to this amazing appearance, play a scene from The Sopranos with you. And uh, nobody died. It was uh, you and uh, Jimmy, Tony uh, Soprano, sitting there eating. And it turns out to be uh, one of the most iconic scenes or so many iconic scenes. But this one really fantastic when you're going on and on about the Middle East. And at this time, what's more perfect than that? This is 20-plus years ago about the Middle East. And you talked about how the hunchback of Notre Dame predicted all of this. And, of course, he had to correct you and say that was Nostradamus. That was a great scene. You go back and watch some of those funnier scenes with you and Jimmy or Ada or the rest of those characters? No. I mean, I only watch the show for the podcast. I can't sit. I can't stand to watch myself. I really? can't stand the sound of my voice. <laughs> I don't watch Blue Bloods. Really? I don't watch anything that I'm in, honestly. I, I, I honestly don't. I just can't stand it because you always see something that you go, what am I doing? What's my hand doing that for? Look what I did. You know, <laughs> so you, you, that's how I am. You know, some people... You know, love watching themselves on a loop all day. I, I'm not that guy, you know. But uh, that scene, we shot in a diner, and I'm not joking. I ate six ribeye steaks. <laughs> uh, you know, I wanted to make it look real. Stop it was it. early on. They Stop. gave me, you know, this is, it was like season three, I believe. They gave me, you know, this great scene to do with Jim. Uh, and I just kept eating the steak, you know, because usually you chew it, you spit it out, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, I just kept eating the steaks over and I got made myself sick, but uh, it was all for your entertainment, Sid, for your entertainment well, pleasure. Well, it worked. But, uh, it was in a diner, yeah, and, and it was, uh, you know, working with Jim. I mean, everything was great, you know. You know, it's just like playing ball, you know. You, you go to the level of who you're playing with, you know. When you're playing, you know, when you're in a scene with guys that are new or, you know, not that good an actor or whatever, not concentrating, you know. And then when you're with a guy like Jim, you got to up your game, yep, you know. Yep, sure. You know, yep. and, and everyone on The Sopranos and Blue Bloods. You better come prepared, man. You know, they're, they're not screwing around. You know, you, you come. I work with Bridget Moynihan or even Donnie. They're prepared. You better know your stuff. Yep. You work with Tom Selleck. You better know your stuff. You better be prepared. You better think about what you're doing. You know, you don't just, all right, maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll do that. That's not how it works, you know. Now with those guys, the great Steve Sharippa, Anthony and Blue Bloods, Bobby Bacala, and The Sopranos got another show coming up at the Paramount Theater. We love it there in Huntington. Him, uh, Vinny, and Michael. You know, um, my son Gabriel, who you've met many, many, many times, he loves you. He, um, he loves basketball. That's the one sport he really loves. He loves the Knicks. So I've got a couple of... How old of, is he now? How old is he? He, he actually just turned 15 last Friday. 15. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So I got his Happy tickets birthday, at... Man. Thank you. I got his tickets at the Barclay coming up on the 20th for the Knicks and the Nets. And then, you ready for this, Stevie? I got his tickets Christmas Day. Knicks and Bucks. Madison I'll, be there. I'll be there. You're going to be there. I knew you were going to be there. Is yeah, there... I go every uh, whenever the Knicks are here. I go every Christmas Day, and I take my my family. We'll be there. Uh, it's a lot of fun Christmas Day. The games at noon. A lot of fun. Everybody's in a good mood, 
and uh, I look forward to it every year. You know, oh, whenever there. I'm home. so, so that's happy. A, you're gonna, that's a nice thing to take. I'm so happy you're going to be there. I mean, think about this to my listeners for a second. The New York City Marathon, there's, I don't know, millions of people. There are millions, and it just so happens that uh, Stevie's lovely wife, Laura, runs it every year, as does mine, Danielle. And what would you know? I, I moved to the finish line hours after the race starts to see my wife finish the race. And who screams, screams out Sydney amongst millions of people standing right in front of me? Steve Sharippa. <laughs> what are the odds of that, Stevie? That was unbelievable. I know. <laughs> I know. My wife did it again. That was her 11th. My wife, Laura's 11th wow. marathon. She's 60 years old. Wow. 11th, uh, 11th New York City marathon. i got to tell you, you know, if people don't know, the marathon is just, you know, it's incredible, right, Sid? Because oh, you're right. watching all these people finish, and then not everybody uh, looks like a marathon runner. <laughs> You got fat people, skinny people, tall people, people that you go, how the hell did they finish running 26 miles? And it's quite amazing, and it's a real, real accomplishment for yep. them, man. You know, when you're at that finish line and you see these people, it is just amazing to me. It know? is, and uh, your daughter was so cute that day with the megaphone calling out Laura, calling out Danielle. I love that. What a beautiful family. And I will tell you, of all the days that we talk about throughout the year in New York, that day specifically, Marathon Sunday, I believe – is one of the better kumbaya New York days because, look, you know this. I remember you coming to the studio with me and our old friend Bernard, Steve, years ago at the old address, Madison Square Garden, and you would bitch and complain about Bill de Blasio every time. I'm sorry. Ain't a heck of a lot better right now, is it? No, no. The Adams does not. Listen, I, I, think, I think de Blasio was evil. I really think he was evil. I mean, he, him and his wife, I think sought out to destroy the city because it happened almost immediately, you know, Sid, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I really believe there was a vendetta and he destroyed it, right? And then Adams is just not up to task. The guy just don't have it. He's not, I don't think he's an evil guy. This is not easy to run New York City. He just don't have the goods and you can't go out at night and be running around and doing that. This is a tough job and I don't think he's up for it. That's it. And you just Said gig, man. Yeah, you just and, said uh, it. Yeah. Why he wanted it or went into it for probably the wrong reasons, and it's not happening because we're in trouble again. You said it correctly. I, in fact, I've been to like Eric Adams. I've been out for dinner with Eric many times. I've been out for lunch with Eric many times. We've had conversations. I'm a Republican. He's a Democrat. He listens. He's really not a bad guy. And I, I agree with you. I think Bill de Blasio is a creep. He's a bad guy. But, yeah, but I don't think he's a bad guy, no. Adams, but I don't think he's... I'm not going to question how smart he is, but this is not easy to run this city. Right. We need a Bloomberg to get this city back in order. That's it. Yeah. Even though I didn't agree with all of him, he was a little bit of an elitist. We need somebody like that to get this city back to where it was. You know, 20 years ago, it was in great shape, the early 2000s. I mean, when the Blasio came in, I mean, it went immediately immediately and now he's still running around this guy is such a schmuck Lazio. <laughs> i can't even begin to tell you what an asshole I, I i can't believe i i, I can't begin to tell you really he is all those he's things damn doofus yeah he is an evil doofus you know unethical you know, and him and his wife skated away, whatever they did, you know, with the money and everything else. A billion five. And Adams, I don't think, is a bad guy. I don't think he's a, a crook. I just don't think. Listen, I couldn't run the city. 
you got to know what you know, Sid. Yep. You know what I mean? No, oh, I agree with you. I think you nailed it. I think everything you said is right on the money. By the way, my next guest coming up after you, you mentioned when you got like Bloomberg. For me, we need a guy like Giuliani, and he's uh, coming up next. Rudy Giuliani coming up at 9.15. So on the way out, another amazing appearance here by the great Stevie Sharifa. Give out the date and, and all that, not it's just for the Island, but Jersey. It's this Sunday. Comedy Conversation with the Sopranos. You have a lot of laughs. I'm telling you, if you're a Soprano fan, if you're not a Soprano fan, don't come. Okay. But if you're a Soprano fan, you're going to love the show, really. I mean, it's a lot of fun. You're going to learn stuff, things you never heard. we got a great Q&A at the end. It's at the Paramount Theater this Sunday. You could have some meet and greets. I mean, uh, you come, I promise you a good night. And for folks who want to buy tickets, I know Jersey sold out in Montclair, but what about for this weekend? Where do they buy tickets? Ticketmaster? Uh, I think it's uh, ParamountNY.com. Uh, right, right, I don't right. know. Get a look at Sid. Come on. <laughs> I got a football, Sid. What the hell do I know? Go on, Dave. Say Paramount Theater, New Huntington, and you find out the way to buy the tickets. All right, perfect. Hey, you're beautiful. I love you, man. Another great appearance. Thank you, and good luck I'll this weekend. You. I'll see you Christmas Day. Huh? I'll I, see you at the All at right. The I'll text you that morning. Thank you, Stevie. You're the best. All right, my friend. Take all right. Care. Thank you. I love you. There he is, the great Steve Sharippa. He's such a great guy. Bobby Bacala, The Sopranos, Anthony and Blue Bloods. Coming up, baby, this weekend, the Paramount Theater with Michael Imperioli, Christopher, and Vinny Pistori. Big pussy. Three hours in the books. Rudy Giuliani, Gary Myers, about to come your way. Come on! Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Well, I hate to tell you folks this, but this will be my last 45 minutes ever on radio. We reported early this morning that George Santos has now moved to Cameo, where he gets 200 bucks. Basically what Cameo is, is you folks out there have the ability to reach out to a celebrity, ask them to put up a minute video, whatever you want, Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday, whatever it may be, and that celebrity does it, sends you the video, you pay them. He gets 200 bucks a shot, and he is getting inundated with Cameo requests. So I just happened to mention well, I'm on Cameo, too. Been on it for four years. I only get 30 bucks a pop, not 200 And um, ever since I mentioned that, my Cameo's exploded this morning. So I'm going to retire. I'm done. I'm going to talk to Rudy. I'm going to talk to Gary Myers about the Giants. And then I'm moving to Boca. Back. Done. Okay. Cameo the rest of my life. I'm surprised it took you this long. Well, I needed a little way to make money, so... You know, if I see one more uh, one more of these uh, lousy networks talking about Liz Cheney, I just don't understand it. She got her ass kicked last time she ran. She got humiliated. Didn't even get 20% of the vote. When did Liz Cheney become a real person? 
I know she hates Trump. Congratulations. She's wanting to go on with Rachel Maddow and Joe and Mika and hate on Donald Trump. What else could this lady do? Nothing. Nothing. Her father, Dick. <laughs> I didn't dislike Dick. He was okay. He had some issues, trust me. Some serious issues. But he was okay. But his daughter, this Liz, is a loser. I mean, a loser. She's on every station this morning. Why? God. Well, Rudy did call in, thank God. You know, I think one of the best decisions we ever made is to put the greatest mayor ever. And he does a very good show here at 3 p.m. every weekday. I got him Liz Savetsky a couple days ago. She loved him. Rudy Giuliani's on this show every Tuesday, and he's great every time. So here he is, my friend, Rudy Giuliani. Good morning, Rudy. How are you, pal? I, I just came on to promo my cameo. And I'm <laughs> like you. I, I be, I, it's going to take me a little longer, but I think about a week or so. Well, well, so wait I'm going to lose you uh, and me. Uh, well, gonna, uh, I'm just going to... I'm just going to sit home and answer those things. Well, I, mean, I, I got news for you, Rudy. If, if, if Jerk Boy can do it, if Jerk Boy can do it, right. you and I can do it. Right? Well, if you believe the press, and, uh, you know, listen, nobody wants you to do better than me. You know, I know Trump has all these fundraisers. It may not be a bad idea, Rudy. <laughs> Maybe we do one together. <laughs> we'll do one alone. We'll do well. You can get me alone, you alone, or the two of us together. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. Charge like 200 bucks, Giuliani and Rosenberg yeah. together. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, yeah, and we'll, and we'll make fun of Jerk Boy. <laughs> it is funny when you consider. That's a great idea. I love that Giuliani and Rosenberg on cameo. Um, when you consider the news this morning, of course, the Israel stuff is always heartbreaking. But George Santos on cameo, Liz Cheney actually oh, considering a third run. I mean, what kind of clowns are these, Rudy? I don't know. We have a weird society, don't we? I mean, it, 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 we, we we promote these we promote these people as uh, celebrities, and what they really are are screwed up people. Uh, I mean, that the, that guy is in, in need of uh, mental help, and she's about the biggest traitor that ever lived. If you think about the core principles of her father, and I knew her father really well, uh, way back from the Ford administration, and and he did have issues, and uh, but he also I always thought was a man of principle. You know, he was a conservative Republican, and all of a sudden, she is supporting. I mean, if Trump were to lose, we'd have a socialist communist government. Where are your principles? I mean, my God, I mean, no matter how bad Trump is, he's better than having uh, China running America, right? Trump, 100 percent, 100 percent. And if you believe what she theoretically believes and her father believes, uh, well, then that's 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 what you that's what you're looking at. You're looking yeah. at a uh, yep. uh, somewhat of a socialist communist takeover yep. of this country. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and so all of a sudden, you have personal feelings get in the way of that. I mean, that's not a public official. That's a prostitute. Oh, I love that. Oh, well, somebody put, quote that. Somebody's got to quote that. That's not a public official. That's a prostitute. And you're exactly right. So a, uh, I want you to know, Rudy, that uh, Lizzie Savetsky reached out to me when she was done on your show. Super. She loved being on with you. She loved it. How'd that go? Well, it went really well because it was two people making a point of view that they both believed and both of which are justifiable. And it's, I mean, uh, she, she says as a parent, uh, I, I would, uh, even though I know the implications, I would just want my child back. Whereas I said, well, suppose getting your child back meant another thousand people got killed. And she said, I think, you know, as a parent, you'd block that out. 
You'd find a way to rationalize that. And she's right. You would. But then the question becomes, as, as the president or the mayor or the governor, what choice do you have to make? I mean, do you, do you have to make the better good or the one that's more emotionally uh, uh, compelled? But it was, I thought, an excellent discussion, a very, very fine woman, very smart. She is. She is great. Her, her husband, Dr. Ira, is one of the best plastic surgeons in America today, and they've got Why a big. Did I use him? Yeah. Maybe I should go on television. <laughs> I think you're doing just fine, Rudy. You look great. So I don't know if you heard about this. Curtis broke this on this program earlier this morning. There is a company, Rudy Giuliani, called American Pulse Research and Polling, and they did a poll with a decent amount of uh, people here, a fictional Democratic mayoral primary. And in this American Pulse research and polling, get ready for this, Eric Adams received 24% of the vote. Disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo received 44% of the vote. Oh, my. Oh. oh. Nearly 21 points higher Cuomo oh. than Adams well, I guess I know your thoughts now. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, uh, you're younger than I am, but there's no doubt I have to. If Andrew becomes mayor, I got to move out. I'm part of his target group. I'll, I'll be put. I'll be put in a nursing home, <laughs> so his campaign contributors can have enough people. Oh God! I no. mean, they were his biggest campaign contributors, which people leave out of the analysis of why they all got sent there. Uh, the, the nursing homes made a bundle every time they got uh, one of those one of those people that was going to die, uh, possibly die. And if you let them die in the hospital, the hospital gets the money. They don't. So I mean, when people think it was a mistake, it was all about money. And Murphy did the same thing, and uh, uh, the woman in Wisconsin did the same thing. Whitless and uh, Gretchen Whitmer, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, Michigan. And, and uh, uh, this was a plot. And 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 the end result. I mean, they they get so into politics they don't think about it. The end result is it's a plot to kill people. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but what is going on with New Yorkers? I mean, I got I got to ask you this. I mean, the Blasio terrible. They go with another Democrat. I like Adams more than Bill, but another Democrat. Now they would vote for Cuomo at nearly forty five percent for mayor. I will tell you this: that if he ran in this poll for senator, Kirsten Gillenbrand kicks his ass because she's a woman, really, of course. Obviously. Yeah, but but what is it with New Yorkers, Rudy? I mean, we got to keep going back to you and Bloomberg. You and Bloomberg, are we ever going to vote Republican again? The city's a mess. I think we are. I don't know exactly how we're going to get there. There's a, there's a new barrier, and I can't quite understand it. It's emotional. I mean, I could uh, – look, I, I was only the third Republican elected in the 20th century, right? A couple of historical facts. Abraham Lincoln lost New York twice in his bid for election and re-election. Really? He won the state. He lost the city of New York, which has to be a disgrace to the city. Right. I'm voting for our greatest president. Right. Now, because he, was a, because he was a Republican, there's something about it that's psychological. Uh, now, I broke it, and Lindsey broke it, and LaGuardia broke it. And then, and then Mike did the first time he ran in, in 2001. But that's it. That's 100 years Four Republicans, I'd say all of whom were significant mayors. You know, in the, a lot of people didn't like Lindsey, but he was a significant mayor. He, I, he made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but LaGuardia, you know, one of our greatest mayors, right? I, I had a pretty good record. Bloomberg had a pretty good record. Yeah. A, lot, a lot better than the average mayor. Uh, I don't know what it is exactly. Uh, I have to study it. Also, 
It happens in other places, too. Look at Chicago. 55 years, Democratic mayors. Each weekend is a, is a mini Vietnam War. Right? Each weekend. And who gets killed? The Democrats. Yep. Uh, and particularly the African-American Democrats, 7 out of 10, every weekend. Uh, and they've been doing it for 55 years. A couple of times the Republicans come along, couldn't do it. I don't know exactly what the barrier is. I believe it has to break at some point. And this may be it. Maybe we've got to put in more money and more time into uh, uh, you know, getting people to think through this. There's a big movement going on now of blacks and Hispanics coming over to the Republican Party that they're trying to organize nationally. And it's got a couple of really good chapters. And I've actually talked to them about seeing if we can make it national. But if we're ever going to do it, this is the time. The next year is the time to do it. Same thing with Jewish people. Uh, uh, It it almost seems a little strange to do this. But you should be able to say to to people who are Jewish, what are you doing in the Democratic Party? My God. They they don't even like you. The, 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 The Democratic Party of North Carolina refused to accept a Jewish coalition as part of their organization. Republican parties have had Jewish coalitions for 20 years. Yep. Uh, so why would I belong to a party with the comedian that says, uh, Listen, I I've, got, I've, got, I've got three sisters, my oldest sister. I'm very close with all three. I love them all very much. Lizzie's my baby sister, Ray Sherry, and Alana. Alana's my oldest sister. I love her. Her, her husband, Harry, who's actually going through some surgery now, a difficult time health-wise, uh, my brother-in-law, I love them both so much, so much. And they are the stubborn Democrats. It doesn't matter. What you tell them, it doesn't matter. I could, I could name Talib, I can name Omar, I can name AOC, I can name the, the, the lady out in Washington, that yeah. lowlife. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They've been Democrats since they smoked pot at Woodstock in 1969, and that's the end of it. They don't want to hear it. And right now, right now, if you can't convince people like that, you never can. Yeah, it is, it's, a, it's a psychological thing that's, that goes on, an emotional attachment to the Democrat Party. For a while, I had it, but I was a kid. I remember when I first changed my registration from a Democrat, I wanted to go Republican. I said, no, I can't be a Republican. Uh, they just favor rich people. And I made myself, <laughs> in, I made myself an independent wow. back in 1970. Wow. And for seven years, I was an independent until somebody convinced me, hey, they, they, these people are really okay. Uh, look at what they're saying. Look at what they're doing. And, and it was Ronald Reagan that really convinced me. Yeah. I watched a speech of his, and I said, I don't know. They make fun of this guy, but I agree with him. Yeah. Everything you just said, I agree with. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Well, they made fun of Trump, too. They made fun of the two guys on TV, the actor, the uh, the game show host, Reagan and Trump. And in my lifetime, those have been the two best presidents. One more for you. Have, hands down. No, hands down. Have you seen uh, yet on Netflix the Get Gotti special? I, I, I always think about you because... Uh, while you were the greatest mayor, not just in New York, but I believe, I mean this, Rudy, the greatest mayor of any city in the history of our country. Let's uh, let's be honest. You were quite the prosecutor, too. You put away all five bosses, all five in one night. That is not an, And I like those guys, but I'm just telling you, that is not an easy thing to do. Um, have you seen Get Gotti yet on Netflix? No, only parts of it. Only yeah. parts of it. Yeah. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys spent a lot of time, a lot of money, task forces, FBI, NYPD. And you guys spent a lot of time in court. You couldn't get that guy. You couldn't get him. We couldn't get him. Now he was mostly Brooklyn rather than Manhattan. And um, you know, uh, being arrogant enough, I always felt that if we had the case, 
we would have gotten him faster, but that's right. okay. Uh, we did develop the evidence that got him, which which comes out of the Castellano case. I was prosecuting Castellano when he killed him, and he killed Castellano because he was afraid that Castellano would get convicted and name somebody else, probably a Gambino as head of the family. Yeah, they actually say they actually say in the movie that yes, he was angry that Castellano was about to 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 have somebody overstep him, but he was actually worried Castellano was going to have him killed because of all his drug dealings. And they say that it was not the Castellano tapes that got Gotti; it was very simply Sammy the Bull Gravano. That was it. I would say that's right. That okay. sounds pretty accurate to me from what I from what I recall. Yeah. But the other thing that's unusual about it is the two of them were present at the hit. A mafia boss doesn't go to a hit. Well, he wasn't uh, the boss yet. He wasn't the boss yet. No, but I mean a guy who wants to be a boss. Right, right. Uh, but but he, I always attribute to the following. And I don't know Gotti as well as the rest because, remember, he came up in the wake of my getting rid of Castellano, and then I left. Uh, but the little bit I did know about him, the guy liked killing. Hmm. Now, that sound, sounds like a weird thing to say. Yeah. You could divide those mafia guys into – the ones who killed because they had to, and the ones who killed because they liked to. Interesting. Wow. Wow. He, he was a liked to guy. And yeah. He was a really, he was a really disturbed, uh, maniacal guy. Yeah. And and the mafia wanted him out early. I mean, they uh, Castellano saw him for what he was early on and really wanted him eliminated. And they tried to. I mean, you know, they, even after Castellano died, they tried one hit on him. And, it, you know, I saw him the day after that hit. I took a ride. I took a ride through Little Italy, and uh, with a reporter. And all of a sudden, right in front of the Ravenswood, he's sitting out front, where he's like on, on almost on the on the on the on the sidewalk, but next to the street, where you can't miss him. And he's sitting there having a cup of coffee. Like, you want to shoot me, guys? I'm right here. Pal. I'm right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you know what I told the reporter? That <laughs> reminds me of the MacArthur movie. Uh, uh, where MacArthur says, I'm going to the front. And General Bradley, I think, tells him, you'll get killed. He said, first of all, bullets don't hit me. Hmm. And two, it's the only way to rally my troops. I love that. I said, this, yeah. I said, this guy is pathetic. He's evil. He's vicious. But he's a hell of a leader. He's a leader, right. He really was. And uh, he was handsome, and he looked good in a suit. So uh, leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> Rudy, I love when you're on this show. I, I love you to pieces. Your show's great. Best. Thank you, Rudy. No wonder you're number one. Ah, uh, thank you. There he is. He made the and no list. cameo. No cameo. I want you on every morning. You can do cameo after you get off. Okay, fair okay. enough. I love you, Rudy. Thank you. Thank you so right. much. It is such a great conversation with Rudy Giuliani. Think about what we just did, right? We did... The Mafia, we did Trump, we did Eric Adams, we did Cameo, we did Liz Cheney, we did George Santos. That's why he's such a great, interesting guy. He's great. He's great. you got to listen to Rudy three to four every day. All right, we'll take a break. Gary Myers is here somewhere. We'll talk about his new book about the Giants. And Bill Belichick, is that over in New England? If it is, where's he going next? We'll talk to Gary Myers coming up.
is sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Nine thirty-six, New York City, on your Tuesday morning. We got a really good show coming up again tomorrow. I think. I, oh, Stephen Van Zandt's going to be here tomorrow. Very excited about that. Little Stevie, Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, and Silvio Dante, the Sopranos. Stevie Van Zandt, Peter King, and Curtis, and amongst others. I don't know who else is coming. It doesn't matter. It's going to be great. Gary Myers is a friend of mine. He's done a lot of sports talk radio in this town, WFAN, but really a writer, great writer, many years with the New York Daily News. He writes so many great books about uh, a lot of them about the National Football League, and he's got a brand-new book out about the Giants. So we're going to bring uh, Gary here into studio. We're going to talk to my friend Gary Myers about the Giants and Belichick in the NFL. But Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Nicely done, Lewis. Paperback writer. You have a writer in studio right now. He's a great writer. So many years, of course, writing in the New York Daily News. He wrote a book a couple years ago, which I loved. I was on in Florida when he wrote this book. He joined me down there. It was called Brady versus Manning. But his new book is a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. Once a giant, uh, like no other championship story, is what Eli Manning says. Looking at the pictures, I definitely see Banks and Taylor. 25, is that Mark Collins? It is. And then 50... I think it's Gary Reason. Gary Reason. The number's cut off, but it kind of looks like him. Yeah, it's not, it's not Carson. So it's Reasons, Banks, Taylor, and Collins. Isn't that Collins. a great picture? I love that picture. Great picture. Carl Banks loves it because he's the only one in the picture without his helmet on. That's true. You can see his face. <laughs> that, of course, is the voice of the great Gary Myers. You've talked about this book before. Now, did it come out in, in heart? Why, why, what is happening today? Okay. Actually, nothing happening today otherwise, other than I just want your listeners to be aware of it for the holidays. It came out September 12th. It's been doing great. It's killing it. Not quite like you're killing it in the ratings, Sid, but <laughs> Thank you. it's doing really well. It's 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 doing as well, if not better, than my Brady Manning book that you mentioned that was a Times bestseller. That was a great book. So I'm, I'm really happy about how this book is doing. Well, I think especially now. I mean, I'm a lifelong football giant fan. Uh, I just had a very honest conversation with you off the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't allow giant losses to, uh, you know, uh, project my mood for the day. I've kind of grown out of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I watch every game. You know, and I've watched uh, Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito and and Danny Jones and all these guys and Eli for years getting nothing done. And for me, I continue to harken back. And I like those Eli teams. He won two Super Bowls. But my favorite giant team ever, far and away, not even the 2000 team that beat Buffalo with Hostetler, was the 86 Giants. And that's what this book concentrates on. Yeah, I mean, I think if you talk to anybody who's lived through the four giant Super Bowl championship teams, Sid, they feel exactly the same way you they do. do. The 86 team is their team. It broke a 30-year drought on the Giants not winning a championship. And just look at it. Parcells, Belichick, Sims, Taylor, Carson, Banks, Bavaro, some of the biggest names in team history. But I didn't want to do this as a, as a recount of the 86 season because those books were done after they won the championship. So this is about how are these guys doing now? How are they dealing with the challenges of life after football, you know, both mental health issues, physical issues, financial issues? And 
There, there are a lot. I mean, I'll tell people there are a lot of sad stories in here about some of your favorite guys. Oh boy! But I balance it off by writing about how this team really became a brotherhood in '84, '85. You know, these are the pre-free agency days where teams stuck together. So by '86, these guys knew each other. They felt that was going to be their year, and the things that they did to to have fun with each other, the yeah. practical jokes that they yeah. pulled on each other, really helped them become a brotherhood. Well, well, and said one of the things. 37 years later, that brotherhood and that still bond, exists. It still, and they help each other. But I'll tell you what's funny about that, and you're going to agree with this, because yeah. you're a great sports guy. Let me keep it in the same year. Okay. Same city. Mm-hmm. Another team won a championship. Right. Bunch of pranksters, bunch of crazy bastards. If yeah. you think LT did a lot of coke, that team did plenty of coke, too. I'm talking about the Mets. Of course, yeah. Very similar in that. Now, a lot of those guys didn't get along because they, you know, Keith didn't like what this guy was doing or Gary didn't like. But a lot of those guys did get along and are best friends to this day. Very, the era, I think, lent to that in both of those local teams. Well, And you know what? Those teams used to hang out with each other in the city. Um, you know, McConkie was just telling me stories about, you know, he used to see hang out, and he got to know Keith Hernandez really yeah, well, yeah. and they became really good friends. Is that his kid, lad, who plays at Georgia? No, no. Okay. His daughter actually is in the Naval Academy, which is where, That's where he went. Where he went. Yeah. And he didn't, uh, I mean, he's really proud of her. He didn't think that was going to be the path that she would take, but he's really proud that, you know, she's toughing it out and yeah. going through that. Yeah. Uh, he was such a great giant waving the towel. Lives in San yeah. Diego now. Yeah, and, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, very, very, very nice guy. He's been one of the success stories. He has that been. And Bill Sims, well. obviously, has a, has a great television career for decades. Carl Banks has done really well for himself Banks, with his clothing right. line. Even LT. I mean, I speak to Lawrence all the time. In fact, Lawrence was on this show, what, about three weeks ago? Before the Seattle game, he called in. He landed that Monday before the Seahawks Monday night game. He right, called in. Right, And he's getting thirty, forty thousand to play golf every weekend. He's doing great. It's amazing. I interviewed him for the book about a year and a half ago. We actually, Sid, we actually met after Joe Namath's golf tournament in Palm Beach Gardens, you know, your old stomping grounds around yeah, there. Yeah. And um, he looked healthier and he seemed happier than at any point that I had seen him since he retired. Sure. And, you know, I said, what do you what do you do with yourself? And I, I know he plays. His biggest decision every day is whether to play 36 or 54. That's right? it. Oh, right. And where exactly to play? He usually plays on Alton Road in Miami, but he may go to Parkland. He may go to Bo Lauderdale. That's that's his biggest decision. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and he's making money just being Lawrence Taylor. And, yeah. and good for him. We haven't seen his name in the news for the wrong reasons for about five years. Yeah, he's getting old. And I, I've, yeah, well, <laughs> we all are. <laughs> I, I've known him since he's 22 years old in 1981. Yeah. I, I don't know him as well as you do, but I know him fairly well, and I'm just happy for him because those who got to know him know he's a good guy. Saved my life. Who just Saved my life. Did he? He actually saved my life. I, I was on a, a horrible drug bend. It was 2004. I was uh, at my height of success with Imus, hosting the midday show with mm-hmm. Joe Beningo doing the Giants. Ended up going to Cleveland State University to host a, a, a night of UFC fighting. Made a lot of cash. John Cirillo got me the job. And um, ended up going to the flats afterwards, the basement. Ended up uh, holed up in a Cleveland hotel for three days. Missed two flights. Drugs, drinking, all of it. And went to the 14th floor of my hotel room. I tell this story many times. Went to go over to my pocket to get my the last of the drugs I had left before I was going to kill myself. I just happened to take out my keychain, which had my daughter, Ava, at the time she was one. She's now 19. Her face was on the keychain. And I swore she said to me, Daddy, don't do it. So I didn't. Uh, 
And I came home, and um, FAN gave me a 30-day respite. You may remember. I was off the air. I do remember And they gave me my job back when I was done. But I needed rehab close to home. And I called a place in Jersey. And um, and I, I forgot the name. It was in Jersey. It's called the Sunrise House. Yes, Lawrence, that's where Lawrence was, had been at. Correct. Right. They were out of beds. And they said, Sid, we love you. We know who you are. We can't help you. And I said, I'm going to die today. And I called my agent, Mark Lefselter, at the time. And he said, call Lawrence. He went there. I said, Mark, I'm not calling Lawrence Taylor. I didn't know him at that point. He said, Sid, call him. And I called him. And LT said, you're the craziest white person I know. First thing he said to me. And secondly, stand by your phone. Three hours later, I was in that bed. And I remain relatively sober ever since. That's an, um, I mean, obviously, I didn't never heard you tell that story. That's tremendous. I'll, I'll tell you this. I met with Lawrence in his house in January of 99, right before the Hall of Fame vote. And maybe two or three weeks prior to that, he'd just gotten out of the Sunrise House. Mm. And that was the last time he went to rehab. Yeah. Because he has sworn to me and his teammates back him up that once he got out of there, he's never done drugs again. Now, we do know that he's gotten into his share of trouble since then, but not drug-related. No drugs. No drugs. You I know, mean, he'll have a scotch or two. Right. Three. And, <laughs> you know, the, the story with the underage, you know, prostitute well, in Rockland County. Well, well, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no reason to he rehash she, that. He thought she, was tw- she looked 23. Right. Whatever. Well, whatever. Yeah. Um, why he would have been doing that in the first place, well, that's his own right, business. Right, right, but right. I, I do feel... You know, based on what he's told me and what his teammates who have stayed close to him have told me that he's really gotten things straightened out. I, I only hope, listen, you want to believe these guys and you know, Sid. He's, it is true. It's day to day when people have an addiction. Yeah. And I'm rooting for him because I think he's a good guy. He is a good guy and uh, the best defensive football player ever. He's right up there with Jim Brown and Tom Brady. Yeah. He's the greatest player ever, Jerry Rice. You, know, you put the, um, the three guys you just mentioned and put in Joe Montana. And Montana. you can pick any one of those four and say they're the best player ever. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to go to Brady because of the seven championships. Right. But you're right. Uh, Gary Myers, the book is a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. Once a giant, this is a must-get. What a great Hanukkah gift. Hanukkah starts Friday. Friday and Christmas, of course, coming up in less than three weeks. We've got about three minutes. He did mention Bill Belichick, and he was Parcells' defensive coordinator all those uh, those two Super Bowls in 86 and 90. Mm-hmm. Went on, of course, to coach the Jets for one day. Left, went to New England. We know the rest is history. But, my God, this is one of the worst teams I've ever seen. They lost yeah. 6 nothing to the Chargers on Sunday. And uh, the rumor is that Mike Vrabel's going to replace Bill, and he's out. What are you hearing? Well, I mean, Vrabel is, is certainly a possibility because of his roots in uh... – in New England, uh, I'm not sure about that, but I think it's fairly certain that Bill is done in New England. I think it's going to be a mutual decision between he and Kraft. Kraft signed him to a new contract over the summer, which means he's going to trade him. He's just not firing Belichick and losing him for nothing. When he had a trade to get him, if you remember, remember he traded Parcells to the Jets. That's how it's done now with coaches under contract. They just don't leave for nothing. And now, okay, where is he going to go? Two logical spots. The Chargers. Char- the Chargers, yeah. which everybody seems to be saying, they need a coaching change, something horrible. You wonder how much this year in New England has hurt Belichick in terms of a co- another owner wanting to bring him in. But they have an established quarterback there. So I think that would be a great spot for him. The other one, and this is my dark horse candidate, how many years are the Cowboys going to lose in the divisional round with Mike McCarthy? Love this. And Belichick and Jerry Jones are good friends. Yes. Jerry's over 80 now. He need 
needs one more Super Bowl to make his life complete. Um, they may get it this year, though. See, the reason I don't think it's going to happen, they have to win the division. Right. Otherwise, they got to go the long road with three road playoff games, meaning they'll likely have to win in San Francisco and Philadelphia. That won't happen, you're right. I don't think they can but do that. But they're only one game behind the Eagles Right, now. they can catch the Eagles now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right now they would lose a tiebreaker because the conference record would go down to that. But I think that's the dark horse for Belichick. Dallas. It's a ready-made situation. Yeah. It's just whether Jerry's will. That would be great. Then you'd have Parcells and uh, Belichick with history. And one Dallas. of the things I want to mention to you, Parcells loved working for Jerry Jones. Yeah. People don't think they think he left because of Jerry Jones. That's not the He reason. left because of Quincy. <laughs> well, actually, he left because Romo dropped the snap. He did on, have, the, on the extra yeah, point. Yeah, Quincy was Against Seattle. Gone. That's right. 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 That's, That's right. right. And Quincy wound up going to the Jets. Hey, Sid, before you kick me out of here, no, I just no, want to say one thing. Well, before you get out of here, uh, I want to bring up something else. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. About 60 seconds. And tell you how proud I am of you. Oh. I already know you're a great football writer. I know this book is great. I know you're, you're one of the more respected and, and best football writers ever. I know that. But I have to tell you, I was on your Facebook page. The day in Washington, D.C., yes, when 300,000 people rallied on behalf of Israel and the Jews. And I think you were there with your daughter. My wife. Your wife. She'll be very happy if you think it looked like my daughter. No, she looked young. <laughs> yes, she looks young. God bless her. And I was very, very proud of you. So thank you for that. Well, my, my, my synagogue, uh, Betar in Mount Kisco, <clears throat> had some buses going down. And uh, my wife is, is much more. I'll, I mean, I'll give her all the credit for that trip. She's the one that really wanted to go. I didn't want her to go by herself. I also wanted to go because I thought it would be just a tremendous experience. And I'm proud to say that um, I never felt more Jewish in my life that day at the mall. And the the pro-Israel feelings were just overwhelming. The speeches were amazing. Listening to some of the families of of the victims and the hostages, not knowing if if they're going to get their family back. I mean, you get chills. I get chills just thinking about it. I, I certainly was, you know, emotional listening to it. And go, that was one of the best decisions I made in a long time was, was going there. Is that what you wanted to end with or you want to say something else? You no, all I was going to say, yeah. it, it kind of pales in comparison to that. But I was just going to say my book, people have com- I know you're a baseball fan. People have compared it to Boys of Summer. Oh. And that to me is one of the best sports, sports yes. books ever. So to get that comparison is... It's very satisfying and gratifying, but um, I'm, I'm really, in all sincerity, I'm really glad you brought up that trip to Washington that we took. It was We left at like 6 o'clock in the morning. The bus pulled up back at the synagogue at 1230 in the morning. It was a very long day, but worth every minute. I know. I'm so proud of you. In fact, uh, me and Gabe saw you at a Met game uh, this summer, too. So That's right. We've been right. all the time. Yeah. Uh, the book, once again, is a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football, once a giant by a great man and a great writer, my friend Gary Myers. Gary, thank you. Sid, thanks so much, and, and happy Hanukkah to you. Happy you holidays, too. and happy Hanukkah to all your listeners. Thank you. That's a great Gary Myers. He'll be back before all the football playoffs, I guarantee you that. Lewis, amazing job today. Justin Ellick, is always, great work. Great having you back. Missed you today, uh, yesterday. Noah Layton, you're the man. We'll close it out with Johnny Resnick and the Google Dolls out of Buffalo. Today happens to be this man's birthday, the lead singer of the Google Dolls. Johnny Resnick. The song is Name, I'm Sid. I'll see you tomorrow.